how whatever is driving this policy. Two years ago, we began the largest vaccination program in the history of this country. Is absolutely comfortable with the death of other people. Get vaccinated. It will protect you. It's a two-dose vaccine. A third shot. Fourth shot. Or indeed a fifth one. That's for people aged 18 and over. Since the COVID vaccine was released, there's been a 1,700% increase in the vaccine adverse event reporting system. More deaths in eight months than in all the billions of vaccines combined over the last 30 years. The entire U.S. population, as well as the world, has to understand they can no longer take these COVID vaccines. Should it even be available to people at this point? Absolutely not. I really do believe that the federal government is captured, and it's captured by corporate interests. Thanks to 670 million vaccines, we have built a wall of immunity. We can prevent nearly every death from COVID if people get their updated vaccines. I'm not at the CDC, but from everything I've seen, they're just incredibly corrupt. The agency has become a marketing arm for big pharma. Vaccine that I'll be getting was developed by my group at the NIH. So we want to know whether or not people got money from the people who made the manufacturing. Uh, your time is uh, 10 million additional Pfizer vaccines uh, will land in Australia, the largest delivery of COVID vaccines since late 2021. But the Australian public's entitled to the truth, and we know that there are vaccine injuries. Every one of them was strong, healthy, well men and women before they took the vaccines. Deaths due to COVID-19 immunizations could be as high as almost 280,000. The evidence are not sufficient to conclude that there is a safety problem. The CDC has added the COVID-19 vaccine to the list of regularly scheduled routine vaccinations for children, teens, and adults. Look at the clinical trial. The Pfizer lied. We know that. There's no doubt about it. Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Wait, you're right about their menstrual cycles, so that is a little concerning. Because it has to be impacting something hormonal. Can it impact menstrual cycles? Yep. They are toxic and lethal. They can only be viewed as harmful and they need to be stopped. What do you have to say about young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day? Reports of death, there's been a 4,800% increase in the last two years. Swine flu vaccine 1976 was pulled because it caused Guillain-Barre syndrome in one in 100,000. Rotavirus vaccine was pulled in 1999 because it caused a form of bowel obstruction in one in 10,000. We're talking yeah. of serious adverse events of one in 800. Big Pharma has captured the FDA. Big Pharma has captured the CDC. Fauci is, is a psychopathological liar and criminally corrupt. Is the science in on whether the vaccine is safe? Oh, without it doubt it's been given to billions of people in billions of doses so there's no doubt safety is off the table there's no doubt it's safe my government lied to me they said it was safe they're going to be enjoying time with their family and kids thanksgiving i'm gonna spend at the cemetery christmas at that cemetery so they knew we were going to kill a lot of people and they did it anyway Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours.
Hey, February 24th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be a long show, so buckle in. It might actually be one of the most information-dense shows I've, I've done, possibly. You'll let you decide for yourselves. There's just so many things to include today that, as, as, as we have kept comfortable saying over the years, things that we've covered pretty clearly in depth over the years that we're adding to. So it's not, you know, the, the real important point is to make sure that you go back and look at the research, not just on T-Lab, but other platforms and how we have these, you know, supplemental points today that show you even more so what's, what we've been proving for a long time. And every possible main topic, I guess, on the table right now, we're going to go over throughout today. And, you know, the Ohio discussion, COVID-19, the WHO, even 5G, we're going to touch on at the end today. Some real, uh, there's important stories coming out every which direction right now. Now I'm not sure if that's because... For some reason, there's just more trans, more, you know, not by choice, but forced transparency or people whistleblowing or because this is sort of an engineered collapse or because there's an effort to stop the bleeding because people are clearly seeing through this. I don't know, but I do know that it's important to make sure that we see all of these developing situations and don't just hyper focus on one or the other, because a lot of times that is you know, the, the play is ultimately to get you paying attention elsewhere than than the most damning. And willing to throw things under the bus, people, narratives, agendas, as long as you just save the one that's most important. Now, this is not conspiracy theory, my opinion. This is just historical fact. And you can look beyond the U.S. government. It's, it's pretty ubiquitous when it comes to power structures. Of course, the power structures would want you to believe that's crazy madness conspiracy theory. And there's an obvious reason why. We're going to go over all this today as, as best we can. I'm quickly going to give you, for those that are interested where we're going to go through today, there's a lot to get into. Obviously, we're going to talk about Twitter to start a little bit in regard to just censorship and some more developments therein and an overlap with Google, kind of laying the groundwork for how important that communication medium is to the narrative, to the agenda and why it's being done this way, you know, and kind of make the continual casual point of, you know, oh, what happened to the Twitter files? What happened to the Fauci files? Oh, look, a balloon. You know, let's just stop paying attention to the obvious reality that this, at the very least, has slowed down. To be very, very kind about that, you know, because it could pop back up tomorrow and then people be, see, you were wrong. The point is, it did not pan out, at least to this moment, the way they said it did. And we're going to go through today as well, the Ohio situation and how it's developed. The thing I want to say right out of the gate, and I, and I really do pride, I take a lot of pride in the work that we do. All Everybody in the Last American Vagabond team and, the, you know, the core team in general, Whitney, Derek, Robert, Taylor, myself, Scott, the core grouping. And then now for, and the growing of that as well with Courtney and Pirate Stream and how this is working. I take a lot of pride in everything that comes through this platform. And by the way, Matt Arrett is now a, a, a official writer for The Last American Vagabond. He's got another one that'll be coming up quite soon. If I can get to it with how much is going on. The point is that I truly believe that the very first video we did on this, I think it was the 13th, if I remember correctly, as of right now today is still... As if you only had one thing to watch, the very first report we did on this before we had everything flushing out today is still, as far as I'm concerned, encapsulates most everything important in the story. Then the very next show, which was the next day, we dive into the dioxins part of that on the 14th. And even right now, still, people are uh, barely becoming aware of why that's the central point here. I just want to, it's, we're, as always, demonstrating our value. 
to why this platform is typically ahead of the stories. And it's not because we're psychic or because I, you know, it's, it's because I look at everything that you guys send. A lot of people out there doing the, you know, um, as Corbett calls it, the open source investigation with anybody else sending us stuff and evaluate it all, give you my best opinion of what we can see in an objective, nonpartisan way. And that just seems to be the secret recipe today. Seemingly, probably why people that are nonpartisan and objective are the ones that get attacked from everybody's side. But I think it's important to point that out. And now we're going to go through the development of this story into today. And my point in saying that is most everything we're going to go over is sort of just developments of the same points that I made in the very beginning. It doesn't mean you shouldn't look more or you shouldn't question what I'm saying. The point is, I think that's an important thing to remember to note about our coverage. And it seems pretty consistent. And again, you can say I'm patting myself on the back and I kind of am. But the point is that the cover, our, our track record for TLAV or just the daily wrap up in, in general from the beginning of all of this on pretty much every major story speaks for itself. You can, you, you can look at it all and you tell me what you think. But how consistently we've been ahead of these stories is something that I take pride in. And I think I deserve to point that out. But no, uh, the point being is that we're going to go through today further and expose how this is very clearly I mean, if they're still at this point, not even really testing or getting into the docs and conversation, this is about as obvious a cover up as I've ever seen, because numerous, numerous experts have spoken with the BBC and made it clear that that's the biggest problem and that we do for sure have this happen with we burn chlorinated products. And that's what happened. So it's not a question of whether this is happening. It's to what degree. And nobody's talking about it outside of independent media. It's pretty shocking. And only a few of them there in as well. Now, what's it, we're going to go over is how that's still being covered up, how clearly there's an agenda around this. And I want us to ask the question and I asked right in the beginning of all this. Could there have been something else involved? Could this have been an intentional release for X, Y and Z? It sh we should not be afraid to ask these questions. But this is why people get scared away because you're not allowed to ask the next crazy question. Right. Like, remember, in the beginning of the COVID-19 conversation or rather the injection conversation and those of us who saw evidence. And observational realities and then peer-reviewed science, we say, well, could they be causing myocarditis? And that's lunacy. And the people that are still afraid to poke in, they go, oh, that's conspiracy theory. And then finally, somebody gives some kind of insight. And then those people go, oh, OK, we can talk about it. But see, now we're two steps ahead. Now they're saying what we're saying is conspiracy. You see how that works? Same point today. That we're ahead of those points. And most people get afraid to do that. Independent media is what I'm talking about, not just T-Lab. But we have to realize how obviously that's happening. And then the corporate media, the ones trying to pretend that they're independent, step into the story and try to make it seem like they're breaking that news. And this is an important dynamic. But we're going to show you how I think it's very clearly being, even including Fox News and everybody else, kept under wraps. And I think I, you can decide for yourself what that means. A really important point that was given to me by Orwell in regard to the actual tanks themselves and how it's. It's documented on their own information that they did not need to vent every one of these tanks that like, they could argue they didn't have an abundance of caution. But as same with the COVID narrative. So they chose the worst, most damaging, most dangerous thing for your safety. Totally makes sense until you start realizing maybe they are trying to hurt people. Just ask that question. I'm not saying that's what we know for sure, but I think it's kind of hard to miss how every single choice seems to be almost the worst possible solution. If you can even call it a solution. We're going to go over how Biden's administration is seemingly blocking or helping or leaning in with the effort to a, a specific Supreme Court case to see it out, outcome in a certain way to make sure you can't sue Norfolk Southern. I mean, this is just obscene and insulting. We're going to talk about foreknowledge of COVID-19 to show you yet again 
as far as I'm concerned, some of the most important examples so far that there was at least effort or awareness about this before we were told, if not completely manufactured. And I think this is one of the most important ones that I've seen. We'll go. That's actually on the image today. We'll go over that. We'll talk about how there's more being found within these things that are not supposed to be there. I mean, just bombshell after bombshell today. And these are all really important stories. So somebody out there, please feel free to clip these out. Individual little parts. We're going to go over the birth rate plunge in almost every single heavily vaccinated country. It's impossible to miss. We're going to go over a really important uh, um, extension uh, next. What am I blanking on the word? uh, Continuation of the story of pregnant women and the COVID-19 injection and can and show you even more so that they knew that this was not safe. They knew they didn't do the studies and apparently now have still not. And Pfizer now just hasn't told anybody the outcome of what they told you was their study to find out if it was safe while telling everybody it was safe and still have not even released that information. Why is that? We're going to talk about the WHO, the treaty, 5G, how this is clearly weirdly still happening and clearly still hurting people. And is that connected with everything else? You can decide for yourselves. All of these are provable discussions today. It just seems kind of out of control. And it makes you wonder why all of this seems to be either pointed at at the same time or being made to happen all at the same time. Because we, all of us in the world, it seems we all feel something is amiss. Something seems to either being increasingly getting chaotic whether organic or by design, or we're just noticing it more than ever. But we all seem to feel this. I think there's more coordination than we realize. All that being said, even more than just that to get into today, let's start off with a shout out to the video we played to begin with because doing excellent work, Milk Bar TV, with yet another great opening clip or however what clip you want to use it for. For me, opening or ending clips, really just great compilations showing you how impossibly obvious this all is and how they've continued to be wrong over and over and they just keep moving forward. So good shout out to him. I think he's doing really great work. I also want to give a couple cursory points to start. A, a shout out to Richard Grove in general. I'm going to be interviewing him soon. We're doing the Autonomy VIP Summit along with Mark Passio, James Corbett. Uh, look at Rebunk. So Scott will be there. Uh, uh, Charlie Robinson. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying. I'm going to, I was about to say Rebunked and microaggression. So you guys know Scott and uh, Scott Armstrong and Charlie Robinson as well as Jay Dyer. And I think that's everyone that'll be there. The point is, it's going to be a, a summit to discuss the autonomy courses that we've done. And it'll, it'll be fun. And I think it's important. And I really do think the autonomy platform is, is a, an excellent direction for people that want to break outside of the normal schooling processes that we have in the world today. Colleges and online courses. This is something more important. This is like the greater reset to the great reset kind of analogy. There's other paths to take for education. And I think that's mine on this, again, is the objectivity course, if you'd like to take it. But check this out. There'll be more coming your way. I want to give a shout out to a great article that was just put on the Substack by Maddie Bannon, Space Jelly on Twitter. Really, really extensive, well-documented, long, important article. Like, really, really well done. And this, there's a lot of source material in case you, you know, on the Twitter files conversation, if you want to see what source material looks like, looks like this. Every single thing footnoted, linked, sourced. That's what it looks like, guys. It's well done. Well done. Now, the article in general is about FD, uh, FTX and and uh, for blanking his name all of a sudden. What's his name? Um, this weird guy here uh, off the top of my head. I'm blanking on his name. You guys know what we're talking about. The the guy with in, in regard to the, the whole shell company, essentially cryptocurrency platform with the overlap with money draft money laundering to UK or to... Uh, Ukraine and and UK and all the rest of these countries. The, clearly, there's something going on here. But the real point about this is about the weird ideology 
essentially this overlaps with the, we've t- we just briefly talked about it the idea of the whole you know two party illusion roots the Hayek Keynesian kind of discussion about the idea that all of it roots back to this kind of Malthusian idea that's um, like almost Luciferian kind of like the idea that if you do bad or do whatever you want for that matter that helps society it's some kind of I mean it's it's very much more abstract than that but that all of these people including this guy I'm, I'm I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, where is it? Uh, Sam Bankman Freed, SBF. Of course, it's a three letter acronym. Isn't that interesting? Sort of like all the classic assassinations of the past, you know, they all have three names. There's something to that. Anyway, the point is that these people and Sam Bankman Freed and the companies and the people that work with him and the people that propped him up all have the same kind of mindset. As it says here, to prevent the end of humanity or the world, we are then permitted, even more, we are required to do just about anything. Or at least that's the the narrative, right? To save the world. Very well done. Check it out for yourself. Another shout out to Derek Bros, who was on the Highwire show today with Dell Bigtree. And he deserves every moment of it because of his outstanding work around the fluoride lawsuit, fluoride trial. We're using both hashtags. Here's the link itself if you want to check it out. Really, really well done. I mean, this this is an important story. Derek really doing great work on a lot of this stuff, whether it's the Mormon church discussion, uh, investigation, which is still ongoing, the ongoing fluoride trial. Here's the link for just every, the work that he's done around this so far. Really important discussion about why this is being suppressed. I mean, there's no question about this. As even Derek says in the interview, how shocking it is that this is, this this should be the biggest story if it wasn't in the crazy part of the world we're in and how obviously things are being suppressed or time of the world. The point is, this is easy to see. They are suppressing the results of a long-sought evaluation about fluoride. No justification other than just put it on hold permanently, even after this, after 10 years of back and forth and back and forth. Finally, it's done. The group behind it says, we're done. We're, no, we're not doing any more evaluations. We don't need any more work. And the HHS steps in, Rachel Levine and the NIH, and just say, nope, no more. Put it on hold forever. I mean, this should insult you. This should drive you crazy because people are being hurt by it right now. Let that overlap. And that's exactly what we're talking about today from start to finish. The fact that the government does not care. In fact, it seems pretty clear they're willing to use you to achieve these ends. Now, whether that's an experiment here or there's some other other story, the point is they know this is bad and they don't care to show you. Now, to start off with Twitter... I think it's important to make this clear again, the fact that one, you know, that this thing just stalled. And right now, by the way, there's all sorts of stuff going on with Twitter, whether you want to say it's just glitches and, oh, it's harder than we thought to fix this and that, whatever. I don't even, frankly, it doesn't even matter to me about whether we're on someone's side or not. It's not working. Twitter's not working. Twitter's still censoring. That's what I care about. Same thing as like left and right in the government. I don't care. The government's doing that, guys. No, the right won't let us do that. The left won't let us. No, it's all the government and the government's not doing this for you. That's how we need to start framing this stuff. Not that the left won't let this, the right won't do that. But the reality that your government, because of their inadequacies or because of their own division, won't do what people need them to do. If we start looking at it like that, it doesn't, we, don't, we don't care about your division. Don't tell me what persons are doing left and right, what they're doing and what they're trying to stop. We'll get rid of all of you if we need to, because that is our prerogative, but not anymore. Not in the reality of the illusion that we live in with calling democracy. Anyway, back to the point. This is 
a situation where we have people that are willing to uh, basically go along with censorship, go along with everything that was happening moments ago because Elon's doing it. He's doing it for the right reasons now. This is the kind of ridiculous thing we see in the two-party paradigm. How Guantanamo Bay can be a scar on a reputation from every side everywhere. The moment Trump's elected, it's now a symbol of freedom. That's how stupid this can make people and how stupid it is inherently. So my point is, here we see nice work by the Community Notes team. In general, Community Notes is a game changer for combating wrong information. What? Okay, so yeah, same thing. So Twitter is still telling you, and guess what, guys? This is not what you might assume. Oh, well, he's doing it. So he's putting these under the government and under the left Democrats. Line. No, it's under the same things it's always been, and probably that too. I have seen some things that I liked, to be honest, that I'm like, oh, good, call exposing that that is a lie. But I've also seen it on COVID information. I've also seen it on Ukraine information. The same things we saw before. Towing the same establishment lines. So you explain that for me if you think that this is one thing. This is the same game. We're just being fed through a different lens right now. But the point is, they're still going, nope. You, are you sure you want to like this? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And that doesn't happen with every post. So clearly there's a reason they put it to certain posts. And it's the same game. But here, of course, is how some people view this. Government narrative down here. Corporate media blocking the Twitter uncensored. Right. Do, you know, do, do the, person, the people that post this do not realize that this dam, in fact, in part, is this right here? Stopping the flow of it. But no, it doesn't matter. Because as long as the dam is over here, it's okay. But no, you see, it's not. Why are we suddenly being ju- being like edged into justifying censorship in reverse? Always how this works. Because eventually it'll swing back around as long as they can keep doing it and pretend like it's one side or the other and keep you fighting yourselves. I just don't know why we can't see this in large. I do think most people are seeing it. But on a s- similar note in regard to Google, this is actually a really interesting report. In Canada, what, what they're showing you now is they very clearly do have the ability to selectively censor to you personally. Google tests blocking news content for some Canadians in response to their crazy bill, which was always designed to make more censorship. They argue, oh, no, it's about creating a more equitable whatever their nonsense is. The point is it will translate to more censorship, which we're already seeing. As it says, February 22nd, of course, updated and 30, what, 30 minutes later? Because, <laughs> of course, they can't just, they always have to edit these and not tell you what they did. I always make that point. Google is blocking some Canadian users from viewing news content in what the company says is a test run of a potential response to the liberal government's online news bill, known as C-18. The Online News Act would require digital giants like Google, Facebook, it's funny, they say Google and Meta, okay, it does say which Facebook owns, it is Meta is Facebook at this point, to negotiate deals that would compensate Canadian media companies for republishing their content on their platforms. Now, the argument is that Google, essentially, these platforms are like, they don't want to do it, so they're just not allowing it, which essentially is the same point. Whatever the reasoning is, you're still stopping things from happening. The narrative, the justification simply shifts. The company said Wednesday that it is temporarily limiting access to news content for under 4% of its Canadian users as it assesses possible responses to the bill. So there's a specific 4% of people that are just applying this to. The change applies to its ubiquitous search engine, as well as the Discover feature on Android devices, which carries news and sports stories. We're briefly testing potential product responses to that bill and the impact at very small percentage of Canadian users. We've been fully transparent about our concern that C-18 is overly broad and, if unchanged, could impact products Canadians use and rely on every day. Oh, so I'm glad we roll it out and then retroactively go, yes, now it's too broad. 
It's just it's just problem reaction solution, guys. The, a, a spokeswoman for Canadian Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez said Canadians will not be intimidated and called it disappointing that Google is borrowing from Meta's playbook. So you mean the thing that we all told you they would do? Now you're shocked they're doing? Shocking. <laughs> it says Canadians need to have access to quality, fact-based news at the local and national levels, and that's why we introduced the News Act. Tech giants need to be more transparent and accountable. Right, so you see the Orwellian game being played. So the the the, censor, the bill that is creating more censorship was at, was created because they want more transparent, accountable news. No, they want to be able to censor whatever they want at any time and argue it's for your best interest, just like everything else they do. This is coming to a moment near you, a site near you, a a, a social media post. Near, they're going to be doing this, or probably already are. It's sort of the moral of the story: selectively manipulating what you see based on the way you engage with the internet. I just saw an interesting clip that I wasn't able to confirm. Somebody claiming that the are you a robot captcha, whatever they call them, you know, where you have to click the button and it circles and so on. Apparently, an argument's being made that that actually, once you click that, is somehow retroactively authorizing that very bot to then search through your past searches on your on your browser. And I guess that's how they claim they decide whether you're human. Now, I, I, that, I did. There, there was a clip they played, and it did seem to come from one of these tech platforms. But either way, it wouldn't surprise me. Do we really need to be convinced that they're spying on us in ways they haven't told us about yet? Probably not. Doesn't mean that makes that true, though. Just something I wanted to casually point out, which happens a lot on the show where I speak off the cuff and then get held to account by people that want to nitpick about every small thing that I say, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is, I hold me to account, guys. The point is just when you speak for three hours off the cuff, sometimes things get abstractly misrepresented. You know, like where you have a comment about something where you made very clear four shows ago, and then it becomes an abstract point you make four shows later, and that's get mystery, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All sorts of stuff going on around this today. Again, there's a lot of frustration in the world for me today around how people are engaging with things dishonestly. Anyway, let that leak out. So Kanoa Substack po- makes another great point about the chat GPT. Now, I want to point this out because there is an overlap to where this is all going and what Elon Musk as a defense contractor is involved in. And I, I am convinced that this is right now in use in a lot of these social media platforms to right now trying to see how this can be used. But as, as a Kanoa points out, a, a David Sachs breaks down how the safety layer of chat GPT is a Democrat. Now, that's his opinion. I agree that it's very biased. Now, whether you want to say Democrat or you know whatever these terms even mean today, the point is you can see that it's not just some objective response, that it's very clearly being given Basically, the point we always make, that if you begin with it, with faulty data, then you'll get a faulty response. That's the, This is not a sentient AI thing. This is a system that's been algorithmically run. So it says, quote, there's mounting evidence OpenAI's safety layer is very biased. If you thought trust and safety were bad under Vinjay or Yule, wait until the AI does it. I agree. And this is where this seems to be going, as a post you can read. I just want to give you guys this thought that this is part of the game that's being played. Now, is it okay if Elon makes it do what you're supposed well then some people would be like yay freedom even once he's an ad, even as that censors people because he did it so it's okay same thing as before i don't know why we can't see past this savior complex partisanship but just to make it clear that this is still right now happening this is one of an endless amount of points now again where are all the people that were screaming and fanboying for elon about how this was going to change everything and now they're all just really quiet doesn't mean it won't happen tomorrow but can we not real what happened to the fauci files Coming next. Wasn't Berninson supposed to do that? Wasn't there a bunch of people involved that just stopped happening? Why is that? 
Where's all the source material? What Wasn't I getting screamed at day in and day out about how it's all going to be there, you conspiracy, or whatever they were calling me in reverse? Well, I'm still over here going, screenshots aren't enough. So we're supposed to just let this continue? Letting congressional members of Congress point at these screenshots as if it's been proven, even though I already feel like these things have been proven from before and are actually true? What you have is members of Congress on the right pointing at screenshots and saying this has been proven. And then I even had people that that are supporters of the show reach out and say, see, even Congress used it. Therefore, that means no, that's not the game. It's still a screenshot. All that because they point at it doesn't then make it real. Again, don't hear it as I think it's not true. We are being trained right now. I'm convinced of it. Now, here is an interesting point about this is right now, Strategic Culture, an outstanding website, by the way, which I don't reference enough. Here's the actual uh, website, strategic-culture.org. If you try to post this right now on Twitter, it'll get blocked. I did this right before I went live. Here's my attempt. Something went wrong, but don't fret. And I've, I've tweeted other things right after it. But here's what it says, the important part. It's not just an accident, guys. It says, we can't complete this request because this link has been identified by Twitter or or our partners, what does that mean? ADL? Yes. As being potentially harmful. How do you not think this is the same thing from before? It doesn't, you see, the game is, don't look at this through a partisan lens, guys. It's censorship based on some kind of metric. That's not okay. I thought we all agreed with that. But now suddenly Elon's in control and now it's okay if we censor the bad guys. No, you're falling into the same trap. This is an important article. About, well, actually, before I go too far, this is what he says. Sure, Twitter censorship on behalf of U.S. agencies hasn't ended with Elon Musk. Cut and paste the link, and you will find the same thing. Everyone's posting the same thing. It's very easy to see. Now, this is an unexpected insight for the elite, or elitists. The U.S. may be the biggest loser in the war on Russia. Now, I will point out, I think I might even have a tweet here. Oh, no, I don't think I have it included. That there's a lot of people... I've seen a lot of comments, people reaching out going, I think that there might be something amiss here, whether he did it on purpose or he got misled. Some people think this is a little bit of a limited hangout. And that's a fair, fair statement. I don't think I've sussed it out just yet, whether I feel like the point is that Seymour Hirsch's coverage, some people are arguing, may not be exactly the reality. And that's a fair statement to make. Question it for yourself. Just want to make sure you, you get the full picture on people are arguing. The reason I say that is because now all of a sudden, Washington Post lets Hirsch's dangerous cat out of the bag. Right by, this is by Ray McGovern, but it's on uh, antiwar.com, an outstanding website as well. But what's interesting, though, is that now the Washington Post is essentially saying, yeah, that's, you know, Seymour Hersh's arguments for the most part. Which is interesting, seeing as how it's based on basically one anonymous source, which is one of the reasons I was like, well, you know, as I said with my interview with Garland Nixon, so we both agree. I, I felt this was clear before this ever happened, based on all the evidence. Then we have his anonymous source that just basically goes, absolutely, we, they, they did this and laid out a lot of information, but it's one anonymous source. So I had my, my concerns, as I've stated on the show. Now that the Washington Post seems to be kind of towing the line, it's interesting to me. Doesn't mean we can say that guarantees this or that. That tends to be a lot of the partisanship does. If the media says it, therefore we know it's the opposite. No, that's just ignorance. That, that means you're being played by them if you think that's simple. But the point is... You can't post this on Twitter right now. So how do you make sense of that? Something, something in this game is saying, nope, not that one. That's dangerous. That's not that's that's why we talk about hate speech being censored on Twitter, as he openly points out, and we don't realize that that's the same game. I just think that's very concerning, guys. 
Now, on other foreign policy, the United States is now sending 200 troops up to to Taiwan, you know, to train for the attack from China that they're creating. This is the same game with Ukraine. If the U.S. wasn't involved, there wasn't going to be an attack on Taiwan. Well, at least, you know, so we can tell anything could possible, anything could happen. But at the end of the day, this is 100 percent a huge red line the U.S. government is crossing. Now, look, you can stand up and say we defend their right to 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 independence, even though they don't care about the Donbass or Palestine or any Oh, those ones don't matter, though, because, you know, narrative. But the point is, Taiwan has not gone through the proper channels. They have not done the things that, for instance, the Donbass has. An open process, a referendum, they vote, international observers. That hasn't happened here. My point in saying that is I support any place, anywhere, including Texas, for that matter, anybody that wants to break off and be independent. We should allow that because that's just called freedom. But see, your government doesn't want that. Texas, no, you can't because whatever we want. No, Syria, we're not going to leave. No, Iraq, we're not going to leave because we care about your sovereignty. Okay, that makes sense. Not at all. The point is that this is a known red line. So this being done is acting like we have a right to. Does China then have a right to send troops to anywhere in South America? Well, they do if they're agreed to and it's an ally. Just like I would argue that, yes, the U.S. does have a right to do this if Taiwan wants that. But my point is you then have to acknowledge that China is going to say huge red line being crossed. My same point, if let's say China wanted to send troops into Cuba. Or how about Hawaii, for that matter? That'd be more specific to the point. Hawaii being an occupied territory and Taiwan, arguably, they say is not, you know, doesn't want to be part of China, even though China sees it that way. So what's the difference? What if Hawaii said, yes, we want your troops here? Just like Taiwan is saying to the U.S., as I, as I believe, who knows if the U.S. is probably making that happen. Well, what would the world do? You know what the U.S. would do. You know what Israel would do. Freak out and they would say that's a war crime. They would. It's an act of war. Why? And. It's the same point in reverse. So all we're, all I'm pointing out is the wild hypocrisy to act like this is not exactly what they want it to be, which is a provocation, which is when then China does anything, they're going to say, see, bad guy, look at what they're doing. It's the, it, this is the classic idea of your brother and, the, you know, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, doing it until they freak out and then you blame them for what they did, even though you created the entire situation. This is manufacturing consent. This is problem reaction solution kind of stuff. It's just, it should insult you. Now, in the context of of Ukraine, we are seeing the same thing continue to happen. So if I was a Taiwanese individual, I would be the the last thing I would want is the U.S. government involved, because this is what happens. As What's in the Media Hiding points out, and Eva Bartlett tweeted or shared herself, just another day in Donetsk under Ukrainian terror. Artillery raining down in the middle of the street. Guys, there is no end to this evidence. And you can prove in a thousand different ways this is not Russia as we have already, as Eva and plenty of people already have. They just don't care. It shows you how willfully dishonest these platforms are. CNN, Fox News, all of them. This is a town center or town civilian area. And you can see these bombs just raining down. There are cars driving by. There's people walking. So I guess you just hope it's not going to be you or your family today and move on. That, that's, what, that's, what it's, that's what it looks like to fight for freedom, apparently, if you listen to the U.S. government. Now, here's Putin saying we are not waging a war with the Ukrainian people. You can just you decide to reflexively ignore what he says because you're trained by another government. Or you could listen to all of them and decide for yourself as an intelligent human being what makes more sense. You know, like an intelligent person. He says we are not waging war with the Ukrainian people. They are in a hostage situation, politically and militarily occupied by the West. Now, yes, should it become clear that, right, even if you think that right now, that Putin's just resigned to take over all of Ukraine? Well, then you can argue that. 
but you can't then stand back and act like the U.S. is not involved in exactly the way that it's obviously that it obviously is. Pointing out what you think Russia's doing does not then justify the exact same thing in reverse. This is the game they always play. That's why the U.S. is still in Afghanistan, still in Iraq, still in Syria. You know, freedom, democracy. No, they're occupying that under the guise they were stopping somebody else. But look who's still there. That's how this works. You should realize all of these governments are trying to control you. All of them. And another lie as this continues forward. This person says this week's this week's this week marks one year since Russia attacked Ukraine's capital capital and threatened to take the country. No, they didn't. Right. And that never happened. That's what the U.S. media said he wanted wink wink to do. And this is what happens. These people run with it. Now, guys, this is a member of the media. Host of the morning edition and up first. And NPR. That's this. This is what this person is following of 51,000 blatantly lying, saying that Putin threatened to take the country. That never happened. They are just repeating what they know they're supposed to say. Now, the point is they attacked Ukraine's capital. What they're saying is this is the anniversary of the invasion. Now, how many times have I made this point to you? Do you we need to, I hope we're all clear on the fact that there was never tanks rolling into Kiev on the day this started. But that was the narrative, you see. And that's the point, is that they argued he was going to push in and occupy the whole country. But he didn't take the bait, is what I think, because that's what they were telling you was going to happen. It's going to be an insurgency. We're going to be fighting from within, they were writing before this ever started. How would they think that unless they were pushing that to be the reality? Okay, so on the day this started, they said we had I showed you reports. They're saying tanks were rolling into Kiev. That didn't happen. They they were on, on the eastern coast or eastern side, side of the country. It wasn't even the case. And then later they started talking about bombings and so on. But if it's the anniversary of that, they're still towing the line that that happened when this first began because that's what they wanted the narrative. This is it's, don't forget. I'll just read my trope, my, my tweet. Ukraine's capital. Are they still pretending tanks were rolling into Kiev on February 24th? These propagandists just can't seem to drop the narrative even when it collapses and it's proven false. Oh, and January 6th was also an armed insurrection. Don't forget. You see the point? There are so many of these blatant, repeated lines. They still say armed insurrection. Nobody that they claim was in storming the Capitol was armed. Period. Easy to prove. But why? So why do they keep saying that? Why do they keep arguing that this marks the anniversary since they attacked the Capitol? Because that's what they want people to think. And then a year or two years from now, that'll just become the narrative because you lie about it repeatedly and suddenly the lie becomes the reality. Thomas Massey points out, Biden bragged about paying pensions for Ukrainians. But we hit the debt limit and his treasury security is taking, quote, extraordinary measures, which means Biden is now literally sending investments of U.S. pensions to fund Ukrainian pensions. At least that's Thomas Massey's perspective, and I think he's right. Anticipates selling existing investments and suspending reinvestments of the Civil Service Retirement and Disability Fund and the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund. Also, she's suspending the reinvestments of a government securities fund to the Federal Employees Retirement System Thrift Savings Plan. It says it's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people. Are you okay with that? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care what your political standing is. Are you a Democrat? Are you okay with that? Are you a Republican? Are you okay with that? Are you aware of the illusion of both of those? Are you okay with that? How is anybody standing back and going, yes, take more money from a struggling population and give it to those people that we are at least 
in question about. Like, the reality is most Americans don't even want any war, let alone Ukraine's war. And then the point being, or rather the people pushing that, and then realizing what's actually happening on the ground. Their own reports exposing that this is a corruption-ridden country. The government itself is the problem that was put up and propped up by the U.S. government, knowing that they shot people probably at the behest of the outside powers in the Maidan Square. Or rather just Maidan, which is the same, it's what it stands for, Maidan protest. But don't forget, the United States is now readying an additional $10 billion. The 20, yesterday this was reported, $10 billion in assistance for Ukraine, on top of the billions that have already come out of your pocket. How is this possible? Because this is a Western-backed war. Not backed, a Western war. This is, this is I, you can see the puppet strings here, guys. $10 billion? Do you realize how much that can do for Americans? Now, Trump steps back into the field, guys, because don't forget, he's running for president and says exactly the kind of things you saw when he ran last time. The things that we all know that are basically open secrets, you know, 9-11, false flag, the ideas of you know, JFK. What else did he say in the beginning? I forget now. The Federal Reserve. Like he just knocked off the conspiracy conversation and everyone said, yay, somebody's finally in. And none of that actually happened. Right. So here he is again. Trump says Obama was behind 2014 Maidan uprising in Ukraine because he was leading to the U.S. teetering on the brink of World War Three. Well, but it, it, Trump absolutely had a hand in creating, right? Guys, I am not, I don't know whether I think that Trump is trying to buck the system now that he is aware he was used or he was part of it all along, or I don't know. But what I do know is I don't trust this, just like I didn't trust it last time. He's stepping into the field and pointing out something we all generally know. And so he, it seems like he's the only one telling the truth. And maybe that's the truth. Maybe he is. But we shouldn't take it at face value because... Look what happened last time. Now, those that think that was a success and it was only because of the Democrats, then maybe you won't hear that. But every single time, that's how it works. But he says, for decades, we've had the very same people, such as Victoria Newland. Right. Okay, well, the point is some of those very same people were the very same people in Trump's administration, too. And others, just like her, obsessed with pushing Ukraine toward NATO, not to mention the State Department's support for uprisings in Ukraine. That's what Trump just said. And yeah, if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, my God, somebody's finally telling us the truth. Now, he put out his his, his video, you know, kind of about the next campaign and going into the next election. He visited Ohio, all this stuff, which looks pretty bad for Biden, I'll admit. Because they didn't go. Not even Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg whatever, you, however you say his name, didn't go until he was basically put on the spot by, by people of confronting him on the street and then goes, oh, I'll, I'll be there next tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, after you, like, how could you have not gone by now? Think about how wild that is. In any case, it was a smart move by Trump. But please, guys, especially those that are aware of the games and the split even between the GOP, don't buy any of this question, all of them, please. It's so important where this is going, including this kind of person. Now, here's another person stepping into the presidential run. I find it almost impossible that anybody could actually have a... a, a a chance in this election, the presidential election, without being a complete insider. Just my opinion. Call me, call me a pessimist. But I want to point something out. We've celebrated our diversity so much that we forgot all the ways that we're really the same as Americans, bound by ideals that, a united, that united a divided, headstrong group of people 250 years ago. I believe, I believe in my bones this, these ideals, those ideals still exist. I'm running for president to revive them. Now, his main point, so that you look through all of this, is that he's like the anti-woke, anti-ESG, WHO, all this stuff, right? 
And it may sound, it may, and maybe he is, and maybe he's going to save us. Who knows? Certainly possible. I just don't buy that at all or even think that is possible from my perspective, but, you know, I could be wrong. But what I find very concerning, even like especially from the right kind of like core right perspective, is that all of this is all they seem to vote on right now. He's anti the left. I love him. Right. Anti the woke mentality. I love. Okay, but what if you found out that he was completely immersed in the same biopharmaceutical field as all the rest of the people that we're scared of right now? What would you do then? Well, he founded the biopharmaceutical company Roviant Sciences. So right out of the gate, I'm like, another biopharmaceutical entity? Like, what? This, this is where this all seems to go. He wrote his senior thesis, guess what? On the ethical questions raised by creating human-animal chimeras. Right, exactly what we're talking about. Now, just because it says a thesis on the ethical questions does not mean it's against, right? This is how this always goes. Where they give you lip service. Now, I'm not saying I know that for sure. You could read it for yourself. My point is, ultimately, this is the kind of thing where they, you know, in the covert moral bioenhancement conversation, it's like, well, yes, there are problems, and I'll write an entire paper about the ethical dilemmas, but ultimately, it's best for everybody. He wouldn't be in this field if he didn't think that. That's my opinion. 2014, this individual founded the pharmaceutical company, Rovian Sciences, a company that focuses on applying technology to drug development. Right, so the mRNA platforms, that's where this is going. In early 2021, Ram, uh, it's, it's uh, Ramaswamy stepped down as CEO of this Roviant Sciences to publish Woke Inc. Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam, which I probably agree with most of it. But it's very weird that that comes out in 2021, runs, now, now he's running for president, like it seems like an inter, a political choice, even if he agrees with it. It says Ramaswamy is currently co-founder and executive chairman of Strive Asset Management, an Ohio-based asset management firm that was financially backed financially by none other than Peter Thiel and J.D. Vance, of course. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Nobody should be okay with that kind of overlap from Peter Thiel, the biopharmaceutical. doesn't mean it proves anything necessarily, but it's concerning to at least me. But then you see this kind of alternative being anti-woke, anti-this. Maybe he believes it, but then watch this. Strive was established to offer an alternative to larger asset managers like BlackRock, Vanguard. It's interesting. So he's the counterbalance. Seems kind of artificial, if you ask me. And has criticized it for engaging, has criticized them for engaging in the ESG activities and mixing business with politics, which of course is what they all do, including him, by the way. Ram Swamy has been described by Axios and Bloomberg as the leading anti-ESG crusader. Now, the reason I say even he does that, because all of them do. Not It's not just unique to any one of them. Politics doesn't exist today without overlapping with, it's what we it's the world we're in right now. That's the public-private partnership direction. Now, it may appear he's against that. Maybe he is, but I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned with where this goes, seeing as how no matter what choice you think you have in the, the binary illusion of choice, it all goes in the same biopharmaceutical direction. That scares me. It should scare all of us as far as I'm concerned. But let's talk about Ohio. I think this is a really important conversation about, one, how the government and the overlap with business is the real big, one of the biggest problems we have. But as well as the fact that this potentially feels, just like I felt in the very beginning, like something bigger. Just my thoughts. Just the way, just my educated guess based on the information we've seen so far the idea of you know, why this was suppressed so clearly 
so clearly suppressed, just like we are seeing today on Twitter. Where was this? You don't see a cloud like we see on the image of the, of the, of the thumbnail today. On the 4th, the 3rd, the 4th, or the 5th, I believe, I'm forgetting which exact day it was, and then not have anybody in social media on Twitter or elsewhere, it's not trending, until the 13th, the 12th? Come on. There's no way. That is a huge event. People have phones everywhere. That this was suppressed. Now, why? The question is why. What else was happening? I find that to be a really important question because of how obviously we see some very alarming things happening today. Was there something else in the train they don't want us to know about? Was there something else they don't want us looking at that's not involved with the train? We should ask these questions. So as Kanoa Kanoa points out on uh, Twitter, in an op-ed, and I'm just going to start with this because I'm just blown away by this op-ed. The environmental attorney who successfully won a $9.5 billion case against Chevron for dumping 18 billion gallons of toxic waste in the Amazon rainforest, you know, because these companies only care about you as they're trying to frame it today. They're all altruistic, right? Is now urging Joe Biden to declare a state of emergency for Ohio and East Palestine. A state of emergency. An expert, right? So you could disagree with him, but realize it's not as simple as they're trying to paint this where it's just, nope, they're all conspiracy theorists, just like with the COVID narrative, right? They're all a bunch of dumb conspiracy theorists in their mother's basement. Don't listen until now we see the reality looking back. You know how many lives were lost because they tried to stop us from being clear about that? How, what do you think is happening here? To the point, again, to that point about the Amazon rainforest, is that these companies right now are being framed as altruistic by the Biden government, as well as the Trump government, by the way. Don't forget, Trump was even more completely sidling up to these companies openly. And the bottom line is that these companies don't care about you. They care about their bottom line. And you can't even really blame them for that because they've been allowed to do so. But the idea is that these companies are clearly, and I, and I do blame them for it, by the way, because they are making their own choices. But the point is that these companies are leaning into the ESG ideas. And so as long as they can make it appear, they're do- they start framing, just like the pharmaceutical companies, they're altruistic. Come on. Anybody that ever bought they were doing this for the, for the species or for humanity, I mean, you, I have a bridge to sell you. These are, these are childish arguments. Ohio is facing a chemical disaster. Biden must declare a state of emergency. This is an op-ed on The Guardian. Now, The Guardian posted this, guys. This is the, the game they try to play where it's like, well, it's an opinion piece. Yes, it is. But the editors still made the choice to publish this. The, the editors are backing this. Clear. February 18th. I'm actually kind of blown away that I haven't seen this. But again, there's been a lot going on over the last couple of days. It's been, you know, personally as well as professionally, there's a lot going on for me right now. But this, I think, is important. And I haven't seen many talking about this. Even this post actually was, let's see, this is from, oh, it was from the 18th. So let's go through this. Stephen Donzinger. Actually, let me see if it uh, says his background. I don't think it does. In any case, it doesn't really, it says it in the article. But it goes, so it says government and railway officials decided to burn off the vinyl chloride, effectively dumping 1.1 million pounds of the chemical into the local community, according to a new lawsuit. Officials said that they did so to avert the vinyl chloride from exploding. Now, we've gone over this in depth on the first, the second, the third show. We've covered this. And I'll go over it briefly again as we get to the next part that I think is really important. In contrast, an attorney for the lawsuit has said that the decision was cheap, unsafe, and more interested in restoring train service, which they've succeeded in immediately after this, 
The next day, I believe they had trains running again and appeasing railway shareholders, then protecting local residents. And there's some things in this op-ed that we talked about the first day we covered this, or actually technically second day, that are still not even being reported by the corporate media in most cases outside of things like this, such as the fact that they buried some of this under the railroad tracks and are ran place tracks right over the top and are now running right over it. That is a guarantee to continue to, pro- to leak into the ground, the groundwater, the soil. So if they did this to burn it off, why would they then just stop short and put some in the ground and cover it? Now, again, either this is just a clumsy act of what, as they're saying, something to save money, to hide this because they don't care about your safety, or there's more going on here. This, that is a criminal act. But you ba- we're barely even seeing the media push against this right now. East Palestine residents are reporting headaches, sore throats, burning eyes. Again, this is on the 18th. So again, you realize that on the 7th, the 6th, they were telling people to come back safe. You're good to go. So on the 18th, if this is happening, there's no way that's the case. Some of these easy things to realize. And the point is, even the Guardian points out what they're still right now pretending is fake news. Dead pets, chickens. We'll show you next. The foxes we talked about, cows, dogs, cats. We have a verifiable source from the USA Today pointing out that the uh, uh, veterinarian confirmed vinyl chloride poisoning in a house animal. I mean, there's just no way around it, but you, you're not hearing this in the corporate media. Obvious examples of cover-ups. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources has said that approximately, and this is where we get into this interesting game of how many animals died, they say approximately on the 18th, 3,500 fish of 12 different species died across 7.5 miles. Now, if that was the only thing that happened, that's a catastrophe. But really quickly, since I don't think I have any highlighted, it's gone up since then. As of yesterday, they now estimate animals killed by a higher derailment nearly 44,000. Still, though, they're only pretending it's only aquatic, despite everything you can prove. Now, again, the Hill, Associated Press, all of them. Are you telling me that they don't have the, the resources to find the, these easy things that we know about? You know, the veterinarians proving this and speaking with USA Today or the local reports per, showing you the foxes that are overwhelmed with swelling and eye problems and everything that's supposed to happen with this kind of thing. Of course they know about it. So why aren't they telling you about it? There is an editorial choice, whether the writer put it in or not, to make sure that this does not get stated. Why is that? As it says here, the department estimates around 38,222 minnows were killed by the derailment within five-mile span. Within a five-mile span. Are you really pretending to me that minnows can die four miles out, but you're safe after one mile? They're caught right now. And they're, this is just like everything else we're seeing. I don't know why they've become so clumsy with these narratives, but guys, we can see this. Plus around 5,500 other species, including small fish, amphibians, crayfish, basically most things that we're talking about, like aquatic animals. That's that's what they're saying now as of yesterday. Think about just that alone. That's not all. That's just, it's incredible. And are we pretending like that's not a shocking number that very clearly indicates there's a bigger problem going on? Now, again, one of the main things is the the water groundwater versus their controlled water system. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure that the water system that they control is or is not safe. They claim they've tested and it's safe. 
I don't trust. They're clearly hiding other things, so I don't trust anything they're saying, especially since in the beginning he even said, yes, it's safe, but I would still drink bottled water. Come on. You can't cast doubt on that. And the point is they don't know for sure. But I still argue with what we're seeing, both just vinyl chloride as well as all the other byproducts and other chemicals leaked, but then also the dioxins, phosgene, everything else has been created, right? Hydrochloric acid, the compounds creating by mixing with the atmosphere and then falling back down. We went over all of this. I don't see how it's possible that that doesn't somehow find its way into these water systems. But that's just me, my opinion. Going forward, it says, in other words, Norfolk Southern's controlled burn, according to the Guardian's op-ed, may have caused a mushroom cloud of poison to spread over eastern Ohio. The situation, it's not may have, guys. This is my point. That was for sure. It's not like you roll the dice and sometimes get dioxins. You burn these products, you will get dioxins. The question is to what degree? And now that we know for sure that this is burned, that it did happen and it burned, that we know that's a byproduct and we know that the cloud was as big as it was, we're watching one of the most obscene cover-ups as far as I've never seen it like this. Usually there's disputes about whether, like we have all the evidence on the table. It's just, They're just acting like because we haven't yet tested for it, therefore it's not happening. I, even the BBC, even the corporate media have been forced to give some kind of comment. And every time they're asked, the BBC, at the bottom of the article, five days ago, asked about dioxins. And the guy said, yes, if that was the case, if that's the case, and it does seem to be, I would be very, very, very worried. But no, but nothing, no mention, no follow up. The situation demands immediate action from President Biden. Without it, the report continues, the article continues, thousands of people, including children and the elderly and animals, will be at continued risk of premature death. I mean, this is an expert speaking on the record with The Guardian, and we're supposed to pretend like this is not concerning. Animals will be continue, uh, and animals will, basically says children, people, animals will be at continued risk of premature death. But no big deal, though. Biden must declare a state of emergency and create independent task force to take over the remediation of this eco-catastrophe. Now, there's where I disagree. Here's my problem, guys. Even if I believe this is as serious as they aren't telling you, doesn't it seem alarmingly to be, to be inching toward the same damn direction? State of emergency, government control, a, a solution for the problem to reimagine everything better and different. That's, this, that's what we're doing here. So this is the same game, declaring an emergency, creating a task force to go over this. And what, what are they going to do when they remediate? They're going to they're going to go. Here's how we make this stop from the future. Now, it's going to sound like logic, except when you realize that was probably what they wanted before this ever happened. Call me a conspiracy theorist, as many do. Despite the facts, continue proving that we can be right after, months after the guy. The point is that this is concerning. And I think allowing the state of emergency is just at least whether it's by design or just taking advantage of the situation is exactly what they want anyway. Norfolk Southern basically nuked a town with chemicals. That's a direct quote. And many have shared that to quote, get a railroad open. That's a former hazmat technician speaking on a local news outlet. He, it says it certainly seems like a company with a $55 billion market cap chose to sacrifice the health of thousands of people to keep its profits flowing. The EPA's response thus far has been to send a feckless letter to Norfolk Southern's ple Southern pleading it to pay for cleanup. 
That it just shows you how completely feckless, how completely in, irresponsible and in, ineffectual these captured agencies are. EPA, FDA, CDC, these entities have been br- taken over. This is how, if they, when they do this or when they make a statement and you see zero response, it shows you that they're not afraid of these companies or they're not, they're not afraid of the accountability because it doesn't even exist. In terms of the sheer quantity of carcinogenic chemicals being released over an area of hundreds of miles. God, that's a concerning. The catastrophe is in Ohio is a major, unprecedented public health crisis. After battling, battling an oil company over the discharge of toxic waste in the Amazon, I can say with some assurance that Norfolk's response to this crisis so far comes from a time-tested corporate strategy. Just like I think Drom was talking about, the, 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 the guy we pointed out was early on had been studying this, who talked about this, that they always lie and they always toe the line. Same thing. They managed the situation as a public relations challenge and not the humanitarian ecological catastrophe that it is. Right, it's about equity and making sure everyone gets what they need. No, you created an ecological disaster. By acting like they're trying to work with the people, it becomes, as they said, it becomes a humanitarian. It becomes, or rather, a, a public relations issue. And the government and the EPA seem okay with that. Norfolk's leadership bailed out of a town hall meeting, as you saw, this, this last week, blaming security risks. And of course, the point was not that they were at least that's how we but they explained it. They were afraid of the people because the people were upset with them. So that's just, this is the same game they play that you're now an evil, bad person because you're upset with what they did to you. That's where it goes, that you're, a, you know, a conspiracy theorist, man, you know, lone shooter, white supremacist. That's kind of the same game they played with the the moms and the mask mandates. They're threatening our lives. No, they are angry because you're breaking the law. But here they said they were they they were afraid to go. And they refuse to face residents to answer questions. Now, he says, that's certainly cowardice. I agree. But it is also a function of the fact that the industry does not respect the power of government to regulate it. Government is supposed to protect us from the excess of industry, or that's what they pretend they're supposed to do. Instead, it often acts like its partner, which is what they really do. Not, I say, he says, I'm not a scientist, but I know a fair amount about toxicology and how the world's polluters use a playbook invented by law firms and consultants to downplay the impact of major disasters and lower their legal liability. Local and state officials who may be under enormous pressure from these industries in the form of campaign donations often work alongside polluters to, quote, manage disasters political fallout. It's a one-two punch of disaster mismanagement that is playing out right now in Ohio with awful consequences for people and the planet. Here are three takeaways about what is really happening and what needs to be done. Number one, be skeptical of claims, the Guardian's op-ed writes, of authorities that it is safe to return to the area. I mean, I just, I'm kind of shocked this even made it on the Guardian. Right, I mean, it's, it, this is, so part of this makes me wonder if this is indeed something we're supposed to be paying attention to. Either way, guys, isn't that supposed to be conspiracy theory? Be skeptical of the claims by authorities that it is safe to return. The EPA and state environmental officials have been opaque about what chemicals are being tested for and by what methods. Yes, this is the point. They are clearly not testing for dioxins. And news reports haven't indicated any plans so far for any sort of environmental restoration. We also do not know what new chemical compounds, the so-called controlled burn, may have created and whether tests have been run for those chemicals. See, he's basically talking about dioxins. 
In fact, test results have not even been released publicly. You know, because you're working with the company that in the past has covered up things like the Katrina fallout or, or uh, uh, Exxon and these different examples of cover-ups where they're involved with playing down the problem, which later comes out to be far worse than they said. They're the ones being hired by Norfolk Southern. Always how this goes. It says, bottom line, there is no transparent scientific or public health basis for declaring the area safe. Until there is, I wouldn't go near the site of the disaster. Number two, EPA can help but cannot oversee a cleanup. Corporate lobbying in recent years has undermined the ability of the EPA to regulate industry. Right, that's completely by design. Captured agencies. Longer term, the railroad industry needs to be revamped. Now, here's my concern. This is clearly where this all is going. We have Civil War era braking systems, which is ridiculous, on trains carrying deadly chemicals through our communities. Now, here's the point, though. As he says, railway unions and whistleblowers have repeatedly raised safety concerns only to be ignored. This is like everywhere you look right now. GMOs are killing us. Glyphosate is bad. These, these, our infrastructure is collapsing. And everybody gets ignored and shouted down until suddenly today they want you to see it all because they want to reimagine it for the Great Reset. So now suddenly everything that we've always been called crazy for is now exactly what we need to change. Now, you know, that doesn't mean everything's being engineered. I think most of it, or if not all of it is, but clearly... Why did it matter two years ago when it was still Civil War era breaking systems with deadly chemicals? Oh, because they didn't want to care. So ask yourself why now they care. Our government institutions are as currently constituted are unable or unwilling, he writes, to respond effectively to industrial disasters. It is preposterous for any ostensibly advanced country to let a massive chemical polluter clean up a mess like this on its own terms and without effective oversight. I mean, guys, that is just childishly stupid because it's not about oversight. They want this to go away. At least that's my opinion based on what we can see. Again, maybe there's more to it. This is not an isolated incident, he writes. Unless we demand accountability, it will happen again. Even when we demand accountability, it'll probably happen again because this is so broken. Now here, on the point about the animals, is just to reiterate this point again to show you how clearly this is happening well outside the safe area or whatever that's supposed to be. Now just to reiterate this, this is from the fact check. Animals are in the area are dying. And in the fact check where they argue that there's no evidence of non-aquatic species, it literally says that on 20 families, 20 families as of the 13th, were diagnosed by the veterinarian with vinyl chloride poisoning. Okay, that's a, that is a veterinarian who is testing and finding this, and, and this is documented. So how are we, one, pretending that it's only aquatic animals, and two, not making sure everybody in a broad range that's far outside the one-mile area are, are being told about this? People need to know that this is a risk, that these animals are getting sick, which means you can too, which means other animals can too. Cats are not that much bigger than these larger fish or the foxes we're talking about, which is right here. Local reports. So this local report from the ninth, are we really going to pretend that this, that the Hill didn't know about that? That USA didn't know about that? Of course they did. And this is the clip right here showing you the same thing. I'll just play a little part of it real quick. News has been hearing all of your calls about your animals suffering and getting sick, some even dying. And it's not just causing problems for the animals. It's also causing problems for their owners as well. Right. You realize, okay, so just make it clear again, this is on the 9th, February 9th. And this local report 
is is reporting to you that there are cats and dogs and people's animals, not aquatic, dying. But I guess that just doesn't matter because this didn't get reported outside this story and independent media. Taylor Holzer and his family run Parker Dairy. It's just- now I, I've, I've played this before. If you'd like to watch it, we can go through the po- this quick point is, guys, that these animals were acting erratic and they still are. They clearly sent something is wrong in the air or whatever. And they're they're literally one of them even broke its own leg trying to get outside this the where it lives because they're sitting in this area. They clearly feel that they're in danger. Otherwise, how do you explain that? And the point is that they're getting sick. They are. I believe one died. They have these eyes. Where is it right here? That are all clouded and messed up and this happened immediately following this event that that never happened before just watch it for yourself it's so very clear that there's things not being told to people which even even by omission in this kind of an event is a huge deal now here and thank god it's still highlighted epa orders norfolk southern norfolk southern to clean up toxic derailment february 21st so my first point i tweeted about this is okay why why is this happening now what was the delay? Right? Almost two weeks late. Okay, well, now we order you to clean up. So you were just kind of hoping that they did the right thing? Is that what the Environmental Protection Agency is supposed to do? I mean, this is pathetic. It shows you what a toothless tiger these things really are. Because really, they're just going, clean it. The way we say. Now, two weeks later, after they're already seemingly saying they're doing that, I mean, man, this is embarrassing for them as far as I'm concerned, and it should be. The U.S. EPA ordered Norfolk, Su- Nor- Norfolk Southern on Tuesday to pay for the cleanup of the East Palestine. I mean, was that ever off the table? Seriously? Is he, regardless whether it was an accident or not, you're, you're responsible for your trip. But yet, I guess that was maybe being pushed back on. That's crazy. And chemical release train wreck and chemical release (laughs) as federal regulators took charge of long-term recovery efforts and promised worried residents they wouldn't be forgotten you know after we forgot about you for two weeks epa used its authority under the federal superfund law to order norfolk southern to take all available measures to clean up contaminated air and water so you're telling me that it took two weeks for them to say do all that you can so up until now they weren't doing all that they could I just, I don't even know how you make sense of this. It also said the company would be required to reimburse the federal government for a new program to provide cleaning service. Oh, great. So now the government's getting paid off or rather making money off of making them do what they already should have done. Are you going to see that money? (laughs) I mean, this is silly. The agency said its order marked for the end, marked the end of the emergency phase. Sound familiar? Of the federal, the February 3rd derailment and the start of the long-term remediation. Okay, the agency said it's order, okay, which says uh, on Tuesday, right? So if we're talking on Tuesday, which one? That would have been the 14th, or rather, excuse me, the 21st, right? So that's this, I'm just just confirming for myself. So that is this, the day this comes out. So what we're saying here is on Tuesday, The 21st is where the EPA has declared the emergency over. The 21st. But yet people were told to come back and drink the water and live in their houses basically 24 hours after this happened. But but the EPA only just two, three days ago told you the emergency was actually finally over. 
So apparently there was a week or more where people were in an emergency area during an emergency. But it's okay, though. Drink the water. Come on back. I mean, I, this is I, this is proving itself. Their own information is proving that they were completely off. This thing was unhinged. How much you want to bet there's zero accountability here, just like everything else we're talking about. The EPA's move to compel Norfolk Southern to clean up came nearly three weeks after more than three dozen freight cars, including 11 carrying hazardous materials, derailed near a Pennsylvania state line, prompting an evacuation as fears grew about a potential explosion. We'll go into this more deep in a second. Officials seeking to avoid an uncontrolled blast intentionally released and burned toxic vinyl chloride from five rail cars, sending flames and black smoke high into the sky, which we'll show you next. Apparently only one, I believe, was actually in, in danger. The rest of them weren't even leaking. Now, our, I get, oh, I'll come back to them. I could tell you what I think they will say. But this is concerning to me. I think there's more going on here, truly. But the argument is that the control blast, which sends shrapnel, and apparently some shrapnel flying was more dangerous to them than this long-term, potentially decades, generationally long environmental disaster. How do you possibly make sense of that, seeing as how the EPA, at least locally, was involved with this decision? That was reported by CNN. I read it at the very, first, the very beginning. So... It seems that either, either this was a very clumsy act of just, you know, d- purely selfish act for the, for the industry, the, the, tra- the, ra- the tra- railroad trying to get back on track, or this was some kind of an action to make this happen for whatever reason you think. There's only really a couple ways to look at it, because there's, but either way, there's a crime that was done here. The left, the, the, that left people questioning the potential health impacts, even as authorities maintained they were doing their best to protect people. They created the situation. Already, 4,600 yards of contaminated soil, 4,600 yards of contaminated soil, and 1.1 million gallons of contaminated water have been removed. So obviously there's, you know, risk. So if that was only just now happening, why were they told to come back beforehand? Now, DeWine says Norfolk Southern failed to address the contaminated soil underneath its tracks before repairing them and running freight again. There it is right there in black and white. He said the company would have to take the tracks back up and remove the soil. It's too late for that. Now, I mean, they still should do what they can, but this has, this has been weeks of just completely sinking into the soil, into the groundwater. This is a generational problem now, not even getting into the oxens. The combination of Norfolk Southern's corporate greed, incompetence, and lack of concern for our residents is absolutely unacceptable. These are official. This this is uh, Shapiro, who is the governor of Norfolk, uh, the Pennsylvania governor, Josh Shapiro. On Associated Press and The Guardian. But yet when we tell you this is the reality, we're conspiracy theorists. Shapiro said his administration had made a criminal referral of Norfolk Southern to the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office. DeWine said Ohio's attorney general had launched an investigation, but apparently we're lying when we point out that there's a criminal, there's criminal acts being conducted. It's all partisan, right wing, whatever, like this is how this game gets played. EPA said it has tested indoor air quality at 550 homes so far with outside air being monitored via aircraft, mobile vans and stationary instruments. Okay, are they monitoring? Are they testing the air at the basement? Are they testing for water at the soil level or are they testing in your house and on the top of the water? Because I've, we've already proven 
that the, the weight, the, the density of this is heavier than the average atmosphere or whatever, the air. So the point is, as that's why they're telling people to, to their basements are more concerning. But again, I've already shown evidence that they're not, that they're testing the ambient air in, around the area or that they're testing the surface of the water, which will guarantee a better looking result. Remember, remember the company we told you was doing this, the company who's already been caught in the past for doing that. Perfect. Still, it says Regan said he is not sure if the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which is aware more than anybody else on the, in the country that the dioxin problem is in existence, that he's not even sure if they're testing for dioxins, a, car- a carcinogen, as some lawmakers have actually asked. So not only have they been asked to do so and they're not, they know this is a risk. They know what happens when they burn this, and they're still not doing it. Anybody want to explain that? We're watching choices here, knowing there's a risk and hoping that if we just don't talk about it, we won't even know what's happening. Too late for that. Now, here is one of the great uh, compilations that Scott put out for us on the uh, T-Lab substack. This is my episode about dioxins specifically. Dioxins and the Ohio train derailment. So just watch this for yourself. This was from February 13th, guys. Eric Capolino. Right? The guy that was just just yesterday, I think, went on natural news. Right? The, the, the point is, as usual, make sure you're aware how far ahead we are on these show on these stories. And it's not because I this is Capolino. All credit to him for his outstanding coverage on his Substack. My point though is if you're watching the Daily Wrap Up or The Last American Vagabond, you would have heard this on the 13th. It's an extensive article that goes through very important information. Here is a great compilation that Brock West put out about all of this, documenting the Ohio chemical disaster cover-up on BitChute. You can check that out one up for yourself. Now, here is a clip. Speaking of the dioxin problem, a chemical engineer has just gone to East Palestine to test the water and soil. And guess what he finds? The point is that why are we having to hear this through some independent expert going through to do this for himself. And he could be wrong. He could be lying as always. Always consider that possibility. But the point is that I'm seeing the examples of how this is being slow rolled, hidden. And yet we have to find this stuff. Like the point is we are talking about dioxin the 13th and it's still barely even in the corporate conversation, if at all. There's a cover-up happening. Here's what he found. Chemicals, including dioxin. We're doing a lot of soil sampling and water sampling. My view is that it was a bad decision to release it and burn it. So I have undergraduate and graduate degree in chemical engineering. I mean, I've brought respirators and stuff with us. The problem is, you, to wear a respirator, you need to know what to protect from, right? Hydrocarbons, acid gases. We're here, I think, the first group independently to try to figure out what's really here because what they were measuring most of the time is what they call VOCs, which is just some generic. It's not a specific chemical, right? I couldn't in good conscience until we get some sampling data know what to protect against. And on top of that, the VOCs, remember we reported this, that they said themselves they were only testing for two compounds there, right? So there's all sorts of byproducts. There's all sorts of other things. It seems like they were trying not to find something. Typical. been involved in these before. They know that things are going to dissipate with time. So they measure things that don't really matter. There's evidence that when you burn vinyl chloride poorly, and it was definitely burned poorly because it's not such a black plume. Right, exactly. And this is exactly why I keep pointing out the choice that was made about how it was done. There's a lot of ways this could have been done, but they dumped it on the ground with nothing to block it from the ground. Dumb. Willfully ignorant, it would seem. A choice that seems like they wanted this to leak in the ground. And then they let it, they, they, they 
they uh, set it afire with a, with a, a, a flare, a flare, right? So you guaranteed the, the surface would catch. It would burn longer. Like the point is the explosion would have been the best possible thing if that was all, like if, if, if something had to happen, because clearly it seems, again, all of this stems back to basically what they say was happening. But assuming that that one was leaking and bubbling out and, you know, steaming and vaporing everywhere and they had to do something about it, it would have been safer for everybody going forward had it just been exploded. I've, I've spoken to experts myself. They've been saying the same things on the corporate media. So, I mean, the question is, is anybody, let's just say at the lowest possible level, if this was just a bad choice, they still need to be accountable for it. Then we need to ask whether there's more going on and why right now they seem to be willfully hiding the true risk. I think in the old days with a carburetor, if you had the air-fuel ratio wrong and you had black smoke, that meant you had too much fuel lined up air. And that black is carbon, right? So it doesn't combust all the way to CO2. When there's incomplete combustion, there's, there's evidence that part of the vinyl chloride goes to dioxin, and dioxin right. is one of the most deadly compounds known. If you measured air, it has a lot of components, like oxygen, nitrogen, it might have carbon monoxide, right? So if you measure VOCs, volatile organic carbons, that doesn't tell me anything other than you're measuring carbon. But I want to know, is it vinyl chloride? What is the individual component? So they purposely measure, with a cheaper instrument, total hydrocarbons. But I want to know what the components are. You're the guy that made all the decisions. Would you have done a controlled burn? Well, there's the lie. It wasn't a controlled burn, it was an uncontrolled burn. See, I'm right. a chemical engineer right. as well, as well as a top health and safety guy. I've got undergraduate and graduate degrees in chemical engineering. You're so. the first actual... Make sure you didn't miss that, though. It, it was an uncontrolled burn. That's my point. Is it, it, was, it was just set a fire on top with a, with a flare, and it just, it just burned out. That's why, like he's saying, so it burned in the worst possible way. So not only did they make the choice that creates the worst possible scenario, they then burned it in the worst possible way. I mean, how do you miss all of these choices? One after another, it's like they said, what can we do to make this the worst possible, longest-lasting problem? I'm not saying I know that's what the case is, but my God, either these are the most incompetent people in history or this in some level was a choice expert that we've gotten to speak to in your opinion why do you believe that it was an uncontrolled burn why are you using that terminology when so far everywhere else we've seen that it was a controlled burn you could go to a place called west liverpool downriver and that's where they burn hazardous waste and in a hazardous waste uh, situation they very carefully control the temperature and the amount of oxygen so that they get complete combustion right it's time temperature okay. that's the important complete combustion not just the surface of a pool of vinyl chloride complete and that's the point about if you were to set that let even let it explode it would have been at least more so of a complete combustion like i mean these are the points that i've been making and he's just getting the expert is putting the right words on top of it it's exactly what we're saying again to my very first coverage of all this and amount of the air fuel ratio there's no controlling of the amount of air that gets in there that's why you saw all that soot so it's not a controlled burn because a controlled burn would have to be like in a furnace or in your car or some system where you control the fuel, in other words, the vinyl chloride and the amount of oxygen. So they didn't do that. So it's an uncontrolled burn. One of the worst ways to um, determine exposure in general is to smell it because if you smell the odor, guess what? You're already exposed, right? Yes, yes, exactly my point. And I'm going to go over that again in a moment, guys. We, I keep making this clear, and I, I even use their documentation to show that. If you're smelling this, which we're seeing examples of 40 miles away, Smelling both dip, two different things we're seeing, both a sweet smell as well as a chemically kind of nail polish, metally smell. There's a, lot, and there's a lot in this. It wasn't just vinyl chloride and just dioxins, right? But the point is we have evidence of that smell 40 miles away. 
And at the very least with vinyl chloride, that suggests a over 3,000 parts per million. That's dangerous. And I'll show it to you next. How long have you been doing this? Um, 30 years. I'm in most of the big world is to smell it. One of the worst ways to um, determine exposure in general is to smell it because if you smell the odor, guess what? You're already exposed, right? How long have you been doing this? Um, 30 years. I'm in most of the big named lawsuits as an exposure expert. It's a privilege. I get called in to try to figure some of this stuff out. So that's my job always is what really happened, you know? Now, you know, you could point out one thing I think is important to see, you know, maybe a little bit of good news is that he seems to be there with no covering, you know what I mean? Testing. So at the very least, you, at least it's kind of, you can kind of infer from that, that, that he is not afraid, at least in that moment, I guess that that's something right. But overall, we're talking about something that he believes is a problem and that what they're testing for is there, you know, I mean, everything we keep talking about, the way that they handle it, the way that they burned it, the way that this is seemingly maximizing the problem and the smell and all of this different stuff. Now, I also want to, this is our, our first compilation on the Substack, in-depth, up-to-the-minute drain derailment coverage. Now, again, this all the way back to the beginning. I think this coverage still stands. Now, there's a lot more added to it today, but it, this is important. Now, I want to make sure we see this, that February 10th was when this EUA exotic random account that just decided to talk about this February 10th, and that's when Helen Destroy put this out, and I, that's when I first saw it. Now, I didn't even get to cover this until two days after I saw this, which was the 11th, because of a lot of different things. But think about how crazy that is, back to that point, that this can be, and look, you can see the picture. You can see how crazy that picture is right there with the huge cloud. And somehow this just didn't get noticed until three days later, but it had already gone on for almost a week and a half. I just can't get past how obvious that is. Now, here is the uh, the um, Congressman Troy N Nell speaking about how the e the mayor told him that the water was safe. Now, here's what he had to say. Now, Dick, again, the point about it is it's they're talking about the controlled water infrastructure and it versus the water that's just at naturally out there. But with the, the level of the problem that we're talking about and what these experts are saying, testing this stuff, I just want to pose the question that I doubt whether that can be maintained. But I could be wrong. I'm not a master, I'm, you know, expert on water infrastructure and how tightly controlled it all is. It's, I would probably willing to guess that it is pretty controlled. But we do know that there are ways that this stuff gets manipulated, whether we're talking about treatments or anything else, right? So if they're then using something from an out, I, I mean, I just want us to be consider the possibility based on what we're seeing that we're, something else is being withheld. But this was all the way back on the 16th. Here's what he said. Hello, folks. Here, here I am. I'm at, in Palestine in Ohio here with the train derailment, had great meetings with Norfolk Southern, had an opportunity to speak with the mayor, EPA officials. We talked about the, the issues that the people, that the 4,800 residents are faced with here in East Palestine as it relates to water and or air quality. The air quality is fine right now, and the water, the drinking water within this municipality is safe to drink. Now, I, I would argue the air is disputed based on a lot of different things we're talking about, right? I think that there is a game being played here based on all the evidence we have. But then the water part of it, I think they're being a little bit too loose about acting like this is safe when it, he did make it clear the municipality part of it, but I'm seeing a lot of them talk about how the water is safe and not differentiating between the wells and different things, which he does here. But a lot of the corporate media's just general reporting seems to just kind of broadly say the water is safe. And that is not the case, seeing as how we just told you they shipped out a million gallons of water that was contaminated, 
right? That's one point that I've seen a lot of those corporate reports that are being way too loose with that. But as he continues. They have a water treatment facility. They've tested the water. There are no issues with the public water in the city. I'm here in front of this little cafe. I had them pull a little water out of their tapper and I'm going to drink. Now, does that mean only in the inner city? Right. What about the people that are in the surrounding areas, the rural areas? That's still part of what we're talking about here. Right. I just think that's that that doesn't seem to sound like that's what he's talking about. Assuming there's water in there. right? The fire chief, everybody says the water is clean to drink in the municipality. Drink the water. If you have a private well. If you don't have city utilities, you have a private well, they are recommending that you drink bottled water while they are testing your individual well. But as it relates to public water here in the city of East Palace or the little community here, it's safe to drink. Thank you. And I'm not hearing good things about the wells, but I, I, I don't have enough to go on that just yet. It's more anecdotal, but I'm not hearing good, you know, kind of like they're all not looking good. But we also don't, let's not forget, how the EPA was caught lying about 9-11 and whether the air was safe, right? So bear that in mind when you're thinking about them telling you right now that it's safe. They've been caught lying about the safety of previous events. Now, let's not forget that we also have uh, um, Aaron Brockovich, who spoke with CBS News, who told you from their own report that they were also saying that they basically at best that they weren't sure, that it still could be leaking out. Just play that again really quickly. Or I thought I added that. Hold on. Or I guess I don't have to. I had I had it open. I don't think I... Looks like I might have forgot to download it. That's okay. Same point, though. Just the bottom line was that what she was saying... Oh, I see what I did there. It doesn't matter. I don't. I, I accidentally downloaded the wrong thing twice. But so the point is that she said on the record at reading their own reports that this was still possibly leaking out and this this was like four days ago so the bottom line is nothing about this seems certain and yet they're more than willing to tell you that everything's good that does not sit well with me now here's what orwell sent me that i think is really important the epa derail list every car on this train its contents and how they were handled note that only one of five out of the five cars of vinyl chloride were breached by the accident yet they burned all of them now here is the report. Now, what you'll see is you can see the ones that say vinyl chloride. Now, over here, you can see car did not leak. What happened was they were vented and then burned. Only one. See, car did not leak. This one is uh, vinyl chloride stabilized. Vent product through the PDR ignited, then burned. Now, that that's interesting, by the way. This one doesn't say whether or not it leaked or because you, what you'll notice is this one says car breached. On, this is the one we're talking about. That's the one that was breached. And it says amount of product still in car pending when they wrote this. The point is, uh, which one? Oh, yeah, same thing. Head breach. This one was the butyl acrylates, isobutanol, butylene. Here it is. Car did not leak. So there you go. So the bottom line is we've only got two examples, one of which just seems kind of undefined. 
but they vented it. So that seems to suggest that it wasn't ble- that there wasn't a breach. Only one does it say very clearly car breached. So the question then becomes, why did they then choose to drain all five cars? Right. All five. Now, even I mean, you know how long these cars are. And we know that these things are very the, the actual uh, vents we're talking about are very, very sturdy the cars themselves are solid metal the point being that you go back four or five cars the question is whether or not i mean could they not have tried to deal with the one car I mean, maybe i'm wrong maybe the fact that maybe they're, they're going to say as i was going to tell you before oh well well one might explode which could then cause the others to explode okay fine aren't we still acknowledging that the explosion of these cars was still safer no matter how you spin it and they would have known that before they did this well yes so they then chose to let they vented all four of the other ones Oh, and let the other one continue. They put it right on the ground with nothing to block it after waiting days to make this decision. And then lit it on fire with a, with a flare. I just don't know how we stand back and look at this and don't see that this was, I mean, whether this was about insurance or, I mean, God only knows. But the choice to add this to make it five times as worse, as, as, five, times, as, as five times the problem. I just don't think we can back this by logic and say that they made the, a, a choice with limited information. They knew that this was going to be what it, they, that would cause the problem that it would. They knew that this was a less, let's put it this way, without putting something on the ground, when they, this wasn't like a split moment decision, they knew that this would soak into the ground. So how do you explain that? Lighting it in the way that they did, as people involved with this, including the EPA, would know that it wouldn't burn properly. But yet they did. On and on and on. So the question really is, why? That's where I'm feeling pretty strongly that there was something more to this. And it could be as simple as just a company trying to maximize their profit. But it is something. There's just no way around that right now. There's something being mis... We're being misled about something as far as I'm concerned. Now, High Impact Flicks put out a clip of the CEO of Norfolk Southern pointing out that he was paid over $4 million in 2021. Annual revenue for the company was $12 billion. But when asked what he thought at, when he saw the results of the decision to ignite the chemicals in the derailed train, he saw the cloud of poison released in the sky and said, frankly, that told us there was a success. Shaw is offering $1,000 to everyone in a certain zip code. That's it. I mean, just <laughs> clearly they care about you, right? Well, listen to what he says. because this is, this is success, guys. Devastating to this community and I, I want to make sure you understand I am terribly sorry that this happened to the community. Norfolk Southern is fully committed to doing what's right for this community. Shaw says he was at the meeting in person on the Monday after the derailment in which the decision for a controlled release was made. And what was his reaction when he saw the result in the cloud of smoke rising into the sky? An, un- an uncontrolled burn as we just heard the expert tell us. Frankly, that, that told us that there was success and that the, the opportunity for a much riskier event occurred because of what was in, those, what was in the rail cars. So, I mean, he, he's now, as of today, trying to argue that creating the long-lasting environmental catastrophe is better, less risky than a momentary shrapnel-throwing explosion with the potential of, you know, with the same kind of problem, but far, far, far diminished because of the way it burns when it explodes. I mean, th- that, that's, there's no way he actually thinks that. 
Shaw says Norfolk Southern is offering $1,000 a person to everyone in the 44413 zip code and in Beaver County's evacuation zone. Right. So everybody else that's, you know, two miles, three miles, four miles, 40 miles out, you know, they're struggling still, then they don't get it. You know, they don't get their thousand dollars because that's what it's worth, apparently, to risk your life and cancers and problems that we believe are going to be coming because of what this thing is. And that's just that's not for sure. But based on the thing, again, the reason we have to do this is because they're not giving us information. They're not testing for dioxins, despite the experts going on, on their own accord to do so because they know it's happening. That's why we're forced to try to do our best to put together the pieces. And then they call us conspiracy theorists for doing so. Are you making them sign documents to tell people that they won't sue further or they can't ask for more money? No, not at all. all. Oh, really? Well, even if it was just one case, he just lied because we know for a fact that it happened, right? It's right here. No, not at all is very specific. That means never didn't happen. Well, it did happen, though. Another train operated by Norfolk oh. Southern. D Wait a minute. I guess this was my Aaron Brockovich clip. How did I miss that? Here's what said. let's go back real quick. Not certain what to do, but on the sixth, with the National Guard there and Norfolk being in charge, and the government knowing that this was happening in the state of Ohio, they made a decision to dig a hole and take all the chemicals, the liquid chemicals from the rail cars and dump it into an unlined hole, hence why we're going to have a big water issue. And so they let, it just, on let me just fire. let me let me just jump in here. So what you're saying here is you Norfolk being in charge chose to dig a hole and they took the liquid hazardous to the aquifer and car up front. No, and you know, I get a lot of emails coming in from different railroads and they're very infrastructure issues is because this read about what can was released and continues to be released. We have yet to see any raw real data. I, I would like to see a website, a public website source on, of frustration and trusting its government officials. And just a short time ago we've learned that FEMA is now going to be I get up. It's safe, but fun in all of this. I think I People it. are Sorry, all guys. stuck up. And Norfolk being in charge, the third, and they come J.D. Vance and what it's appears to be. Well, I'm going to stop the bleeding here and seeing as I can't seem to find this in the four minute stupid video. Well, it's there for you guys. I'll include it for you to watch for yourselves. That's frustrating. Well, back to the point of what I was trying to play before I completely derailed that point. <laughs> so it's in there where she reports what we already know, which is that their own documents show that they're not sure if it's still leaking out or not. But here is the point where they try to give you to give the hold harmless agreement that he just claimed the CEO never happened. The water they pulled from around their property after the chemical release last week, Caitlin says that Norfolk Southern, the company that operated the train came to the door to test for toxins in their home. But before they could, they would need to sign this document. We were told that they were an independent testing agency before they could enter the premises. They handed us a contract. Um, the contract was essentially, you know, to um, be able to get, onto the property, uh, but also at the bottom was a hold harmless agreement. It states that upon signature, the landowner agrees to hold harmless the company for any and all legal claims, personal injury or property damage. She refused to sign. So if I get this straight, Norfolk Southern essentially asked you to sign a hold harmless agreement in exchange for testing? Correct. And you did not sign? Correct. Would they give you the, the paper? 
They did not give us the paper. I asked if I could take a physical picture with my cell phone of the paper, and I did. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance is outraged. We, we, we contacted Norfolk Southern right away, and the answer that they gave us, not joking, was that was an accidental indemnification agreement. We didn't mean to give her that one. We gave her the wrong one, okay? I mean, there, who, does anybody actually believe that? So they're walking around with printed forms that just happen to have that on it, along with the other Ohio-specific information, but we accidentally just grabbed that one? the other pile that doesn't need to be there. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just such an obvious game that's being played. And then the CEO of Norfolk Southern blatantly lies about that. But yeah, let's trust that they're doing the right thing for us, right? Here is the point about the document. This is, this is the, the reiterate this point, by the way. This document was updated after 17 years of inactivity by the HHS. Toxicology profile for vinyl chloride. Okay, so it's right here. The last time they talked about this, and it was the final report, which fourth one, but still final toxicology profile. Let's pretend like in seven, like all of a sudden, right before this, like 11 days, whatever it was, I think it was, I forget the exact days, I don't misquote it, but you know, January 2023, they, they change the information around vinyl chloride in the new report to make it look less dangerous. Now, are we going to pretend that somehow after 17 years, they just decided or realized it was less dangerous than it had been since 1989, right before the biggest vinyl chloride disaster in American history? I just don't know how we can pretend those kind of things make sense. Now, that's one point. That's what everyone's pointed out, I, as well as we did, I think, on the first show we did, that this is important. But the other part of it was, where was I here? Oh, that's right. I think I just had it. The parts were the, oh, that's right. Sorry, I lost my point. Here we go. So the parts per million, the risk. This is the new report. Health effects found in humans and animals following inhalation exposure to vinyl chloride. Effects in humans and animals, right? So right about, and here's the point, just so we jump to it first. It's saying on the report, vinyl chloride has a mild, sweet odor, which may become noticeable at 3,000 parts vinyl chloride per million of air so his point is if you can smell it you're already contaminated so and if the 3000 is where you can smell it that is talking about serious problems liver histopathological histopathological changes to the liver respiratory tract increased kidney weight uh and the point i mean look you go down here at 500 is where animals die (laughs) okay so this is not okay no matter how they try to spin this based on their own report and everything else we're seeing clearly people are smelling it therefore they are being connected they're being contaminated that's not my opinion this is the hhs own updated report the experts on the ground what they're telling you now here are the examples of plenty of people telling you this one's the worst as far as i can tell 40 miles away now you could argue it might be something chemicals there's different reports of different smells and who knows whether when vinyl chloride is burned with the oxygen and phosphine and everything else, that it changes the smell. The point is people are smelling something that was burned here 40 miles away. Which means, as he's telling you, that that's a problem. Why, aren't the, why isn't the EPA telling us that? Half hours after the fire and smoke, an official with Norfolk Southern called the controlled release a success. But at the same time, as far north as Cortland now, 40 miles from East Palestine, there is a strong chemical smell in the air. 40 miles. I don't care if that right afterward or not. That means the problem reached 40 miles to the point to where it was enough to hurt people. 40 miles. 
And yet, we're they never. That's the only time you've seen it was on this local report. Think about that. Here's another example. Of people smelling a chemical smell in the air, but there has been no official reading of poor air quality. We want to remind you that the evacuation order is still in effect, as well as sheltering in place. Right. So just because there's no report, then therefore it's not there. You can smell it, guys. That's the, that's what's happening. Now, another thing you find in this report that I think is important is that it says results from several studies have suggested that breathing air or drinking water containing moderate levels of vinyl chloride might increase the risk of cancer, moderate being 100 parts per million. Okay, so I think it's pretty clear we've established that people are smelling and by the way, there's been reports of specifically sweet odors around the area within miles. We reported this in the beginning. But the point is we're getting mixed reports of just chemical smells in general. But he's telling you that if you smell it, you're contaminated. Vinyl chloride specifically, if you can smell it, that's 3,000 parts per million. And they're telling you that 100 parts per million increases your risk of cancer. Think about that. <laughs> Times it by 300. I mean, this is just painfully obvious that at the very least, which is the only, which is why is the only reason I said it that way. Well, I can't prove to what degree. There's plenty of people out there that are willing to tell you they know every single thing about it right now, and I wouldn't trust them if I were you. But that all we do know for sure is that it's worse than they're telling us. I just, it's as clear as I've ever seen. Now here, NBC points out an investigation into the Ohio train derailment points to overheated wheel bearings. I knew it. Damn it. Well, I'm going to skip this then. I had a whole bunch in here, by the way. All sorts of things. Bottom line, it was the wheel that overheated. And it says that it can be traced to an overheated wheel bearing, which was 253 degrees hotter than the air temperature. 253 degrees hotter than the ambient temperature in the air. So what they're saying is that they didn't know that. Now it says down here that the the was the it recorded the temperature of the wheel bearing at the 23rd car 253 degrees Fahrenheit above the ambient temperature. Anything over 170 degrees requires the engineer to stop the train. The engineer hit the brakes but before the train came to a stop, the 23rd car derailed. Okay, but the real point is why this was not picked up long before that. It says right here, the previous detector it had passed along the way recorded a temperature of, you know, just 103 degrees above ambient temperature. No big deal. But Norfolk Southern deems that not dangerous. Enough to stop while carrying some of the dangerous, most dangerous chemicals we know about. Right. OK, so let's blame Trump. Trump's fault. Right. Or let's acknowledge the fact that their own internal discussions are claiming that one hundred and three degrees above temperature is not enough to realize there's a problem. So why exactly would one wheel by itself be one hundred degrees hotter than everything else? Because something's wrong, because it's stuck and it's causing friction. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous, don't you think? So here's an example of Norfolk Southern acknowledging there was a problem, but not enough to stop. Money, profit over safety, as everything else we look at. And of course, all they're going to do is go, this is why we need to be better. So guess what? We're going to reimagine our entire train infrastructure. That's where this goes. As well as the point that it's all a big mistake and it's an accident, nobody's fault. Swear to God. That's what they're saying. So here, 
is Joe Biden also son of a I guess we'll skip this one too. Joe Biden DOG ba- DO, DOJ backing Norfolk Southern's bid to block lawsuits. February 16th. The point is there's a lawsuit or excuse me a, a Supreme Court ruling that's or rather a Supreme Court case that's about to be ruled on that could wh- whichever way it goes will directly affect because of its relevance whether or not people can sue Norfolk Southern or rather to say it better Norfolk Southern would use the ruling the precedent set by this to try to argue that you're not allowed to sue them and guess who supports that Joe Biden's administration because that makes sense right we would defend the company that just got caught I mean it doesn't mean whether it was a mistake or not or an accident or not of course you should have the right to hold them accountable for what they were responsible for this is like the boss of a company blaming the employees no you're the boss it's your fault. No matter whether or not you were involved, that's called being a responsible leader. Ownership, taking responsibility. So Norfolk Southern CEO is responsible even if it was an accident, even if they did everything they were supposed to and they're still accountable for it. Just like with the, this this is, we're built, you know what this is? This is the indemnification for vaccines in corporations, which they're already doing everywhere, saying, well, it's not going to be profitable for them to keep doing this and we need them to keep doing this. So we're going to remove them of liability if accidents happen. No. That's not how this should work, because then you build into a situation just like we're seeing with the pharmaceutical industry where it breaks itself because there's nobody accountable anymore. We pay for it and they go forward. Oh, and I wanted to make a point before this last point. Before, now, before we shift into COVID-19, there's an important point I want to make. There's a lot going on out there. Now, remember, according to reports long before this last Ohio train cr- crash, there's something like a hundred and something that every month, it's, it, I think the average was like 1700 crane crashes a year, which is like disgustingly obscene. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't be happening. Now that, that, whether that's design or whatever else, that that's just co- incompetence and not caring about these kind of things until they want to care about it for their own agenda. But the point is that every crash since this has been, Oh my God, look at that. How I can't believe it. And it's like, well, wait a minute now. It certainly could be connected. And we should ask that question, but that also could just be one of the 170 that happen every month, apparently, which is just, I keep blows my mind. My point though, is there's a lot of people out there, guys that are just so willing to guess, assume lie in the direction of your worst fears, just in hopes that you watch them instead of anybody else. And you know what? They might even be right. You, can, I, you know what? I, every single day, I could stand up and look at the news and guess for you what will likely happen and probably get a lot of it right. Doesn't mean I wasn't still guessing. Doesn't mean I was still saying that I knew when I didn't. Just because things pan out does not make it okay that people will be dishonest about their coverage. The point is, this was one of these stories that I thought was wildly blown out of proportion because it came on the heels of this story. And the usual suspects jumped up and said, the biggest story ever! America's under attack. A fire is, you know, the point is emergency services respond to uranium, a fire at a uranium location, a fire at a location that housed uranium National Nuclear Security Administration complex in Tennessee. Now, I live in Tennessee. I haven't even tweeted about this because I looked into it. It seems like, okay, there's something going on. I haven't got all the information yet. So, and you know me, I don't tend to jump up and tweet before I know what's going on. And then it very quickly turned out to be, it appeared to be, as best I could tell, something that wasn't an issue that was already back to normal within the same day. Now, yes, could they have been lying about that? Obviously. 
But this is the game we play today where suddenly the narrative is more important than the actual information because the narrative makes it's more fun. And then suddenly when you go, well, wait a minute, here's the report. They go, oh, yeah, they're lying about it. It's like, well, they may be. What are you looking at to make that conclusion? Just because you want the narrative somebody set to be the truth, therefore you attack anything else that comes around. Like that is not about the truth. That's about team sport politics. It's about drama. Enjoying the fact that this is like this is reality TV for some people. So my point is when this happened, I waited, as we all should have. The information comes out. Now, right now, this could be a cover-up. It could be the biggest thing ever, and they're just lying to you about it. However, you can't report that because there's nothing but what was reported and the conclusion. So until you've got evidence that suggests there is something else, not just that they probably lied about it and to say that, but evidence suggesting something else, then you shouldn't cover this and as an honest journalist. But a lot of the usual suspects did. Now, the other part about this was that it was reported as uranium is on fire. Now, as best I can tell, that's not actually what happened, but I'm still, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I can't confirm one way or the other, which I found interesting. But what I can't confirm is that there was one report that was put out by the actual location that said a fire involving uranium broke out. Now, that could mean that there was uranium on fire, or it could mean there was an area which, if you read the whole thing, it seems pretty clear that this was a, 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 uh, a room where, this, where preparations are being made for this. This is a, a Y-12 national security complex, is what it's called, that was involved with, uh, uh, what's the term, um, Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the term. Pro operation. Oh, my gosh. World, the, you know, the building of the nuclear bombs, the original nuclear bombs the U.S. government made. I can't believe I'm blanking on the, the term for that. We all know it. It's a historical thing. Anyway, it was this this exact location was involved with that. So what they do is, you know, they build and pre prepare materials for nuclear weapons and nuclear armaments. Right. So uranium being involved in that. But the point is, had uranium been lit a fire or been lit on fire then there would have been a problem i would argue so what the reports are is that there was a fire in the room it was quickly dealt with no no security measures or air contamination problems or the systems went off which are designed high level to kind of respond to any kind of real problem like that nothing happened they tested everything's fine people went back to work right away but yet, if you listen to some people, America was under attack and there was uranium on fire and it's all being covered up. Why? Because that's a juicy narrative that's more fun to talk about than nothing happening here. Now, again, they could be lying about this, but we don't have anything to indicate that other than the assumption that what they're saying is wrong. Now, we know that's happening everywhere today. I just wanted to point that out. Now, this, this is the 24th, and I'm pretty sure this story is gone. So why don't the people who support those out there who told you this was bigger than it was, call them out for that. Engage with that and say, okay, was your source wrong? Let that reflect going forward for me about what your sources say next. Just think about that. Now, this is such an important story right here. I think this is crazy. Now, what this can amount to for some people is going to be varied depending on what you believe. Train theory versus germ theory or, or versus, uh, or, you know, bio lab versus accident or, you know, there's a lot of different ways this could fit into what you believe is happening. Kind of the same point we were just making before is everyone's already decided what they think the truth is and just fit their new facts into their own comic book of the narrative. But either way, this is kind of hard to ignore. Igor Chudov, who's been doing great work on this, points out that COVID 2019 novel coronavirus vaccine, in quotes, dated July 23rd. 2019 
Apparently so. Or unless there's some other explanation that we don't have. It says, and by the way, it's, it's weirdly, as always, the highlighted on Substack for some reason breaks this up, but you don't need to just listen to what I'm saying. Anyway, the article will show that work on the novel coronavirus vaccine greatly predated official emergence of the novel coronavirus. Right, so either this means that it was around before they told you about it, which is a big deal in its own right, or they were working on this injection before they were supposed to know it existed, the novel coronavirus, right? Now, this brings up an interesting point in my mind that I'm just going to reference in a moment about, I, did, I had a great interview with Dr. Bhakti, specifically about the prince, the Thai princess, but as well as the large ongoing cover-up of the danger of these injections, specifically lipid nanoparticles, a lot of things. But we talk about this. There's an example he points out in that show itself about how the EMA working with the German uh, with BioNTech had have evidence that they had already completed preclinical trials and half of the first trials with animals and so on at a time when basically it was later proven that they never actually did it. So my question to him was, well, that could suggest that they just lied about animal trials, right? And then later it got revealed, or it could be that that's more evidence that they did these trials before they were able to have supposed to have been able to. Now I asked that question, and I and I you know, I, I either, I'm not sure which way I look at it. Bakhti clearly believes this is because they got caught for not doing it, which seems to make the most sense. But I just think it's interesting to think about. Can, in, in, after we talk about this next part about whether or not they had already been conducting animal trials on something that was not supposed to exist yet. Think about that. And there's a lot of this right now. Now it says creating a suspicion of how could they know about this pathogen before it officially appeared. It will also show that, or, or for example, those that are of the mind of terrain or a terrain theory, you might argue that this is the example of where they made it right. Created or created the narrative around it. However you want to look at this, either way, the evidence of what's written down, what you'll see in a moment, whatever you think it is, suggests that at least the words were being written down before they should have ever been talking about it. So however you look at this, it's still I find it to be very relevant. It will also show that before the virus was officially known, the, can the vaccine candidate for it was transferred to the person experimenting with adding HIV sequences to coronaviruses. None other than Ralph Barrick. Of course. I mean, that's exactly where you think the pieces might fit in. Now, that's why I included this. I've done two shows on this. April 31st, 2022, you, the U.S. government funded research on coronavirus-induced myocarditis. It's very easy to prove. It's all documented. It's, it's, right, it's funding directly to Ralph Barrick throughout the 90s. It, it, for literally, coronaviruses inducing myocarditis in rabbits, like making them do that. I mean, I just, that alone should be at least enough to ask the question of whether this has been manufactured. I and mean, with what we see happening, that's crazy to me. And then I followed up on that. Did the U.S. government work on a myocarditis-inducing virus? Yes, they did. Then work to aerosolize it. That's the question of this. Let's look at the facts. I think the answer is at least most likely. They very clearly worked on a myocarditis-inducing virus. That's the facts based on what they're reporting. And they very clearly then tried to aerosolize and make a self-spreading uh, uh, vaccine that they released for bats in China. My question, because those things are 100% provable, but the question is, did they do this in connection with one and the other? I think yes. But back to the point. Ralph Barrick now being the person who got sent this stuff before this ever started. I mean, all of this falls together. 
He referred to an interesting promotional B-roll video. That's where we get this from in this tweet. Posted by NIH on January 30th, 2020. About scientists working tirelessly to invent vaccines against novel coronavirus. Here's the actual video for yourself. You can watch it. She pulls the whole thing out of this freezer. You can watch it for yourself. If you if you put time it just right, you can get the shot right there. And that's what I'll show you right here. This video shows at about one minute mark, a woman taking out from a freezer and placing back a box with vials labeled CK 2019 novel coronavirus vaccine. All of this, every all of the terms and the KC, all of it. It's very easy to see that this is exactly what he what he talks about, I think, is completely proven. The other than why this date is on there. The weirdest part of the video is the following screen grab. It's on the main thing you can see. 7-23-19. The following screen grab showing the date of 7-23-2019 on a box of 2019 novel coronavirus vaccine, which again is what we're talking about. That's what she pulls out. Right there. You can see it. That's the same one. 2019 novel coronavirus. Okay, so the point is, how in the world could they know of a novel coronavirus in 7-23-2019 before that's supposed to have been known about? How could, yeah, everybody says right there, how could the 2019 novel coronavirus vaccine be dated 7-23-2019 when it has only discovered in December 2019? When he says the box has a tag, Ruckwarts, or Ruckwart, that's the name at the top, which sounds like a rare name. So he looked it up. It refers to Tracy Ruckwart, NIH scientist. It's easy, easy to connect all these dots, guys. Looking Tracy up, I see that she is an author of several interesting articles that, will, that we will explore, such as this one. SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine design, enabled by prototype pathogen preparedness. Interesting. And then uh, wor- uh, working alongside Kismikia Corbett, which will come to play in a moment. Since its emergence in December 2019, it says, in absence of a vaccine, public health measures... The point is, it says, as I realized looking at the first screen grab with KC 2019 novel coronavirus vaccine, I realized that KC on the box with vials stands for Tracy's co-author of the study, Kismikia Corbett. Here she is right here of Harvard, who is the scientist who appears in the video. So you actually see her in the video, not the one pulling it out, but one in the background. Miss Corbett can be seen in the back of the office when the DNA labels vial is shaken. I didn't have it lined up, but oop, oh, dang it. Did I just go past it? There it is. Hold on. Now, I believe, is it that one or is it the other one? Yeah, that's her right there. So the point is she's in the video. So, I mean, there's no questioning. This is the, this is what we're talking about. So then the question goes back to how that date could possibly be on it. It says, but why is the box dated 7-23-2019? How could they create that novel vaccine before an official discovery of the novel coronavirus? Compared to all other boxes on the shelf, this is another important point, covered with many years of accumulated frost, right? Look at all the frost. The only one you'll notice isn't, is the one that's supposed to be new. Oh, it's right at the beginning. Hold on. Ah, of course I lose the spot now. Hold on. Where was it? Dang it. Oh, I think I went too far. That's what it is. Son of a gun. Sorry, guys. I have the link somewhere else. I just, I swear that's it. 
I just accidentally hit a button and then it looks like I lost the video. Iris sent, uh, yeah, this is not the same one. <laughs> Son of a gun. How did I do that? Well, anyway, I'm gonna, I'll include it after where you already saw the video. I'm just baffled by that. <laughs> How in the world did that happen? Oh, hold on. I think I've got it right here, actually. One second. Just to make sure that I don't confuse this. It was right here. Here we go. Looks the same, but it's not. See? <laughs> Isn't that weird? All right. That's not the same woman right there. That's a different woman. You will see her, the other one in, in the back of the end of this one, which I'm going to leave right here just so I don't lose my place. If you scroll to the end here, you will also see the Kazmika woman that you just saw in the other video in the background. My point, though, is you look at this one, you can see that it's pretty new, right? These are all the new ones. So it's not some old background thing is the point he was making. So it says, you can see her in the back with the DNA labeled vial is shaken. It says, yeah, but why is the box dated that old one compared to other boxes? Here we are. It says, covered with many years of accumulated frost. Kismikia's bio box is clearly free of frost and was likely manipulated around the time the video was taken. The only date on it is 7-23-2019. Other boxes on the shelf are related to Corbett and Ruckworth's article, which you can prove, such as the box labeled HKU1 neutralization essays. So the point is, it's clear these people are the ones that are involved with this. So the que- it's not deniable that this, this thing does have that weird date. Now, I'm not the one that's going to say that there couldn't be some abstract explanation. I, but, you, but we're not going to assume that when we have the date right in front of us. So it's going to be clearly they have this rare date that suggests that they knew about this beforehand, unless somebody else gives us an explanation, which I doubt they ever will. Then the person in the video handled agar sample labeled WUCOVS2PFD, blah, 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 blah. On, by the way, it says OA stands for Ambiona Olubukola, another co-author. This reminded him of something, and in the previous freezer shot, we saw a box labeled CKCOVS2P proteins. Top row, second box. You can see them right here. It's all circled. The box in the freezer has a lot of frost and looks like it has been stored over a while. Are they related? Well, here are some juicy quotes from the article. Now, again, he makes the point at the end. He's not make com- He's just asking questions he thinks are important, similar to the way we do often. So he's asking, could that be related? We know the first one is. We know they're connected. But are these other ones connected to what he's talking about? And look what it says. A vaccine, this is the study they're related to. You can read it here. A vaccine is needed to control the global coronavirus infectious disease public health crisis. Release of SARS-CoV-2 sequences triggered immediate rapid manufacturing of an mRNA vaccine expressed in pre-fusion stabilized SARS-CoV-2 spike trimmer. mRNA-1273, that's the one. Immediate, done in June 2019. He laughs. It says spike protein and human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, right? They knew that there was the overlap all the way back in the beginning, but it goes on. This is the most important part. The COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 is the pathogen X event that has long been predicted. And he laughs as yeah, since June, 2019. I mean, just think about that, what they're saying right there, even, you know, they've all, this is, there's a lot more foreknowledge than, it, than we realize. These scientists seem to have worked very tirelessly prior to the discovery of SARS-CoV-2, but knew a little, too bit, a little bit too much about what ended up happening prior to discovery. Here, we see the Moderna vaccine candidate transferred from NIAID to Ralph Barrick of University of North Carolina, the Chapel Hill, as of December 12th, 2019. 
And we've already shown you most of this. Here's the documentation. Moderna's proprietary information, the material transfer agreement. We've gone over all this. You can see right at the bottom, signed by Ralph Barrick, 12-12-2019. He says, mind you, Ralph Barrick is the scientist to experiment with adding HIV gene genetic sequences to coronaviruses to enhance their function. But nothing related, though, guys. Even though Luke Montagnier, before he passed, was convinced that this very clearly was altered, adding HIV sequences. But nothing to see here, guys. Ralph Barrick removed the uh, glycosylated HIV envelope. This is 2018. This is the same game we're playing. HIV inserted to cough spike. But totally not the same thing as today. His point is he's just simply posing questions. The bottom line, though, is how in the world this could be dated June 7-23-2019. That I, I guarantee we'll never get an answer. Well, here's another example of something that I think is very interesting. Speaking of foreknowledge in general. Well, first of all, this is an interesting point about Pierre Corey pointing out that there has now been a dangerous DNA contaminant found. You can read about it for yourself. Here's the substack. We've already gone over most of this information. There's all sorts of things that are being found. Part, medical particulates and shards of glass from the manufacturing process. None of this is supposed to be okay. But Kevin McC McKernan, points out, not the other guy that we don't like. It's the different guy, same, almost same last name. But why did Pfizer exclude the NGS data from the EMA, which stands for Next Generation Sequencing Data? As he points out, the, the exclusion implies they knew of the contaminants but chose to hide it. Now, I think this is a foregone conclusion at this point, guys. There's more than enough evidence that they tried to hide. Let's well, give us 75 years. Yeah, doesn't that make more sense of why they tried to do that now? They're clearly, we're trying, this is fraud. Every single part of this, as, as this is why I bring, come back to Dr. Bakhti's interview, the lipid nanoparticles, knowing that by themselves, that they are dangerous. And just like, by the way, if you remember, those that watch this show, the very beginning of this, I broke down simply nanoparticles and what the NIH said about it, cancerous, reproductive problems, let alone the lipid nanoparticle concentration that's been shown to be not for human use. We also covered that. What he's telling you, Dr. Bhakti, this expert, is saying that you don't need anything else. Just the lipid nanoparticles are enough to cause what he thinks is happening. But that then you add the mRNA risks. Then you add the mass production of the spike protein, which is cytotoxic by itself. Obviously, this seems to be something designed to hurt. Either way, everything we point at suggests that they knew this beforehand. Now, here's an interesting thing I want to include. We've gone over this before, specifically this exact website. And the argument made then... Without the Wayback Machine, just just this was the live page we looked at, was that this they wrote there was COVID-19 test kits and it says 2017. Now, what makes sense to me, first of all, is that they wouldn't be this stupidly clumsy just to have this publicly listed on a site that everybody looks at. Certainly possible. They are dumb sometimes. But what happens, as we know, anybody that runs a website knows that if you if you let's say today, which is what they claim, you update something like a PCR test, which is what this is, is and, you, and you can cross-confirm that with other parts of the website that, you, that aren't COVID-related, but it still says COVID-19 test kit, They've changed, which to me seems like a dumb choice. It seems like they made this happen so we would jump the gun, unless this is actually being caught, that they change it to PCR, to COVID test kit, or whatever they change it to, which then retroactively changes anything in the past that, that once said something else, but now says COVID-19 test kit. So the argument being that something from 2017 that 
yesterday said PCR that you change your entire website today would then say COVID test later, even though it's 2017. I can go right now and change the date on any article I want. doesn't show that. I can change, I can update something and make it look like it came out today, even though it was written two years ago. The point is that, that that's, these things can happen. I'm not saying I know for sure, especially with this new edition, maybe seems more in doubt. That this uh, Dr. Ahmad Malik points out that how could they be in 2017? Well, that na- that arg- explanation would make sense. If if now my only additional point, this is supposed to be the archive version, right? Oh well, actually, now I take it back. Now that I'm thinking about this more, this is what we should do. I assumed, which again, always a wrong choice, when I looked at this, that it was archived from 2017, and I'm realizing that I that's not easily discernible. So what we're going to do real quick, let's test this out. Maybe we can prove this right now. I'm interested in this and whether or not this is caught somehow, you know, based on the Wayback Machine version of this. But we're going to go into the archive, put in the original link, and see how far back it's saved. That's the problem. Okay, so see, that's part of the problem. The first time this website was saved was 2020. So the farthest back we can go would be the 5th of September, which I guarantee that was already changed. See, yeah. So it's hard to tell, guys, because see, my point is the same. If we can go back and look to see what it said in 2019, then we might be able to figure it out. But as far as I can tell, let me do one last thing. The other archive, just in case we get lucky. Let's see what the dates are. No, 2020, 2020. Yeah, nothing for 2017. Or before 2020. It's unfortunate. So the point's the same. So I was hoping that this was more in- interesting because my what I thought when I when I saw this was I thought it was a, an archive from 2017. So I'm wrong. It's an archive from 2020, which then argues the same point that if they were to clumsily, maybe intentionally, to trip us up, change PCR to COVID-19 test, even though it's used for other things, then anything pointing at PCR would then be you know. And I remember proving this last time we covered it that that was the case, that there are other things that aren't COVID-related that now say that. So, unfortunately, I guess I just proved that to be the case, or mostly, unless we can get some 2017 thing. Now, all of that aside, there's a lot of examples like this that are that do get repackaged and shared and, you know, almost, you know, 700,000 views. I'm pretty, concer- pretty certain that that's just what I explained, but I could be wrong. But the point is, that's irrelevant, and we have stuff like this. This, as far as I can tell, doesn't have an explanation, just not yet anyway. And even if they came out with one, we should doubt that as well. But the $4 seems to be pretty obvious when you consider everything else we're talking about. Now here, speaking of the risk, all the things we're talking about, the evidence we've discussed, the the pandemic of the injected, the ongoing problems, Scotland choosing not to investigate the rise in neonatal death rates. Because, well, we already did our investigate. No, you didn't. You're hiding from that. Here is an important over coverage from Colin Huber, um, MD, NMD. Birth rates plunge in heavily vaccinated countries. Even today in the United States, Massachusetts and New York, Illinois, Washington are four of the states that at this writing have just simply not updated their birth data since 2019. Now, I don't even know how you can explain that. To me, that screams that there's some effort to hide that. But how would they know to stop doing it in 2019? Isn't that interesting? Either way, 
How are we going to pretend when there's an obvious problem that some people, including entire countries, are pointing out, and yet you have major states that aren't even looking while telling you you're crazy for pointing it out? That's wild. By August 2022, Raymond uh, Hagman, these different do- had compi- these different people had compiled data on birth rate changes. These experts, these are people uh, listed up here. I'm just trying to skip, go through it quickly. Where was it? In any case, the people doing the research compiled data on birth rate changes in 19 European countries. All the data is near confirmed for everything. It's all sourced, every single thing they say, and produced an extremely important paper, which you can look at right there. In country after country, the inflection point of reduced births is consistently at the end of the year 2021. This was nine months, almost exactly after the spring zeitgeist to take the COVID-19 vaccines, injections. Germany, Austria, Switzerland, France, Belgium, Netherlands, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, Sweden, Portugal, Spain, Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovenia, as well as Iceland, Northern Ireland, Montenegro, Serbia, all show the same pattern. Nine months after peak vaccine uptake, the births dramatically decline. I mean, it, it, what else would you argue? That's how, what I mean, think about the, not only the correlation with the injection, but the correlation with exactly nine months later. <laughs> That's pretty impossible to miss. It says the corresponding graph for each of the 19 countries has a similar pattern. Peak uptake of COVID vaccines in spring 2021, followed by precipitous birth rate declines beginning nine months later. Think about the willful, the willingness to ignore this. All of the 19 countries studied saw accelerated declines in births in 2022, beginning at nine months after the peak COVID vaccine uptake. Note the small p-value in the following fable down here, favoring temporal association of the two events. This is the same criteria that Dr. Peter McCullough points out in regard to the vaccination causing problems, specifically myocarditis. These are things that they used to pretend they cared about. It says this in turn supports the Bradford Hill temporality criterion regarding causation of infertility. Point being, based on this Bradford Hill criteria, you've proven that this is connected to the injections. Rather than highly coincidental correlation between peak vaccination in spring 2021 and sharply declining birth rates nine months later. Now, especially when you don't have an alternative, to ignore the exact correlation is obvious. Data analyst Gatto Malo has noted, as have others, that too many countries are locking their vital stats right now away from public view. Explain that one. Oh, because the conspiracy theorists are are lying about it. Does anybody buy that? Even if they are, are you telling me hiding the data is the way to not? I mean, that's that's desperation. It says which preempts any valid analysis. Occasional glimpses are available. Looking at Sweden, he found that if he overlaid, and remember, Sweden's one of the groups that did not force this, did not ultimately do it. Most of the worry, the problems we saw everywhere else, even though. Even then, they did still have the injection. It was still given, right? He found that he, if he overlaid month-to-month changes in births, he found that the strong dip in births beginning in November, December 2021 lines up very tightly with the percentage of people who were unvaccinated nine months earlier. Again, same point. So <clears throat> they're unvaccinated nine months earlier. They get injected. And then almost exactly nine months later, you see the the dip exactly with the the, basically the decline in births is almost exactly nine months later. It all goes down. You can see it right there. What it shows you is that the, 
Oh, wait, did I lose that? I hope not. Okay, good. It shows you that the decline in births is perfectly timed with the pregnancy cycle of nine months. I mean, that's really difficult to come up with an alternative explanation. It says, at a similar time, as in the above countries, we see births decline in the UK. After December 2021, the number of women giving birth is no longer in the 40,000s, but now crosses down into the 30,000s and stays there. See the column women giving birth. All of this can be proven. The correlation across other countries, the correlation with the injections, the correlation with the nine-month time frame. Think about how hard it is to ignore that across numerous countries with lots of different variables, but one correlation. We, this is a cover-up. 100% convinced if you want my opinion. I also think the data proves that, but I'm not going to say that it could not be some alternative explanation. Similarly to Sweden, the inflection point of decline is at a 9 uh, and 11 month point following the months of peak vaccine uptake in the UK. Switzerland saw its largest drop in birth rates in 150 years. God Damn it, this is so obvious. Just think about what's happening to the population. More than in each of the two world wars, the Great Depression, and even the introduction of widely used oral contraceptives. Nothing else has caused this kind of drop. Even birth control. Of the 22,000 individuals who had received the Pfizer vaccine, Pfizer, quote, could not determine the outcome in over 20,000 people reporting vaccine injuries. You hear that? Let me repeat that. This is getting into their hiding the information in their own trials, which we now later know have been proven to be worse than, like not worse, the opposite of what they said, right? It went from safe and effective to 36 times higher risk if you take the injection. That's what their own trial found if you look at the data accurately, as a peer-reviewed study has already found. But of course, Fox and CNN and the rest of them didn't tell you. Of the 22,000 people in their trial that received the injection, They're telling you that they just couldn't determine what happened in 20,000 of them. Or they hid the 20,000 problems. As their team traced the data reported by Pfizer, it was found that 270 of the pregnant women in their trial reported an injury. 270. It says, but Pfizer only followed 32 of them and 28 of their babies died. This is a shocking 87.5 fetal death rate. We've reported all of this to you. Even some of the stuff they go into next are things that we said within the first couple of weeks because we were reading the trial data. Weeks of that data coming out, I should say. And we'll get that's about you remember all this. That's the rats and the wavy ribs and the 10% decrease in the pregnancy index. I've, I've been ringing that bell for years. So I'm glad that other people, expert levels, are starting to see this too. 270 pregnant women in this trial reported injury. Only 32 of them got followed. 28 of those babies died. Think about how clear all this is. Pfizer logged over 158,000 separate adverse events during the clinical trial. Under 1,290 different types of adverse events. Safe and effective, though. An enormous compendium of human suffering as partially imagined, imaged below from the first part of the letter A. Just look at that. That's not hypothetical. That's what was seen. Lastly, I think a couple more parts. It says the DMED database reported when comparing 2021 to 2020, 
and this was the uh, the oh, it's right here, the U.S. Defense Medical Epidemiology Database System, which we've already reported on. They reported a 419% increase in female infertility reports. But apparently a 419% increase in reported female infertility was not enough to raise an alarm. Explain that. A 320% increase in male infertility reports and an 87% increase in congenital malformations. Which is kind of interesting, right? Seeing as how up here we just talked about... Where was it? an 87.5% fetal death rate, according to their own reports. What a coincidence. Then you just so happen to find an 87% reduction in, or infertility, rather, increase in congenital malformations. So I think there's obviously a connection. That's the same report, basically. Rather that there's some kind of connection to the way this is affecting infertility, reproductivity, the report shows a mean baseline rate of 10,906 cases per year, 2016-2020. Then, part of 2021, not even the full year, showed 18,951 cases. So there's your baseline report of what it was like before these things. Then you get these things, and then not even the full year, and you almost double the number. This is a 74% increase over 2016-2020 average. Prevention is massively easier than cure. Avoiding toxins such as the lipid nanoparticles, especially those that generate spike protein, such as the mRNA vaccines, is a necessary first step. Let's hope that the coming years show the fertility crisis for both males and females to be reversible as we learn how this may be accomplished. God only hopes. God dang it, man. I just, this really breaks my heart. We knew this right in the beginning. Now, I thought, maybe it's another article. I could have swore it was in this one. The uh, the rodents. Yeah, I swear it was in this. That's crazy. Rib. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I do this sometimes when I'm like, I'm, it's like another one coming up. Well, I guess we'll wait. But either way, in case in case I missed it there somewhere, don't forget the report about how we knew this, that it, there's almost a 10% decrease in the pregnancy index. They simply just report that it's not necessary to include. Man, I tell you, I swear it was in that. That's frustrating. Uh, guess not. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. Let's see. All right, let's go forward. Now, the point is, what I say is correct. I've proven that many times over. I was almost certain it was in this article, but I guess not. So, in any case, the point is, this is ridiculous. Obviously correlated. Obviously being covered up. Nobody seems to care that are supposed to be, you know, like the groups that are supposed to keep you safe, like the EPA. Well, here's the the, the interview. I really recommend you take. I mean, this was a... Very important interview. I just, I can't express express enough how strongly Dr. Bhakti is speaking out about this and has been from the very beginning. I want to play a couple of clips for you of Dr. Bhakti in general in this interview that I was playing from before, expressing what he thinks. And I also want to show you the part where he says that all the way back in 2020, I might just end with that today. In, I've said this before, March 2020, he was on Fox News saying, if you take these, you go to your doom. How right he was. 
He wasn't guessing. So explain for me all those experts out there that say nobody could have known. Yeah, they really could have. And he did. On the 18th of October of 2022, the EMA declared officially that safety pharmacological studies were never performed, never, and they were never deemed necessary. That damn vaccine that is deadly, known to be deadly, not because of the mRNA, but just because of the lipids that are packaging the mRNA. That is enough to kill people. Realize that the next vaccines, mRNA packaged in these deadly, deadly packagings uh, are directed against pneumovirus, as Bill Gates declared three years ago, that the first vaccinations against influenza, the flu, are mRNA-based and packaged in the same in the same lipids, virtually all the vaccines that are in use in veterinary medicine are now being transformed to the mRNA platform with the same with the same envelopes. And no one knows about this. It's being done undercover. It's not being told to anyone. Ah, oh, man, that's, I mean, especially as you guys know, with a, a new pup in my life, which I had to struggle through this myself, and I'm glad I made the right choice. It's just apparently they're secretly rolling out mRNA animal vaccines, and we're not even being told about it, according to Dr. Bhakti. And I've seen similar reports myself. Like, they don't care to report this stuff to anybody because they don't need to. Like, and th this is why these the wor worst case scenario is whatever's deal. These animal injections are more dangerous than anything because they're less they're regulated. They're less safe materials, if they're even safe at all. But just think about what he's saying there, guys. Everything about this thing is dangerous. So the story, in case you missed it, about the Thai princess is that this is potentially the next in line to the throne. There's debates about her or her brother, but the point is everyone thought she was next in line. And the point is that she just she took the third injection and 23 days later fell into a coma and has never woken up since. That's the story. And apparently, uh, no, apparently uh, Dr. Bhakti spoke with the spoke directly with the royalty of Thailand and convinced them as he as he believes that there's a problem and and this is because of the injection and got a response that he felt was like we're doing something about this now what's interesting is he did speak with them he does think something will come to pass he believes they're going to do something and yet what did you see in the corporate media fake news that's a fake story thailand's not doing this or they already said they're not going to do anything maybe how often does that happen where the new the media runs out to set the narrative and then later it changes and then the new narrative comes? The point is, ba Dr. Bakke spoke to them. He knows personally what was told from them. Now, they may change their mind. They may toe the line, but he did speak with them, and yet they're calling the whole thing a fake story. Typical corporate media BS. But wa watch this. In the interview is fantastic, and there's a lot of bombshell information in there because he, you know, he knows what he's talking about. But we're also talking about, in, in relation to the specifically the pregnancy, infertility, reproductivity. Dr. Cole himself has been being sent placentas for research because of all of this. Guess what he's finding in those? Other sad thing, and I won't, I'm going to grab this from under the desk. This is starting to arrive. These are placentas. These are placentas coming from obstetric colleagues around the country. These placentas are the wrong size for the gestational age. 
These placentas right. are calcified. These placentas have spike protein in them. These placentas right. have antibodies in them. These placentas have induced excess inflammation in them. This particular one is from a nurse, hospital, eight months pregnant, required to get the jab to keep her job very shortly thereafter, unfortunately, intrauterine fetal demise. I know you guys talked to a couple other colleagues that went over that kind of data. Mm -hmm. So certainly the data paints a picture, but more importantly, the pathology mechanisms are already identified and just more studies need to be done from these. So what I encourage is any medical colleague anywhere in the world, find your pathologist, say, here's the list of stains, start ordering them, start looking at these things in the tissue of the deceased, start looking at these in those fetuses that don't make it to full term, start looking at those placentas, start taking your surgical specimens that are in unusual cases of multiply jabbed individuals with unusual conditions and start looking for what would be causing it. Right. And you know, we're going to find what we've already found. I've, I've seen three different peer-reviewed studies discussing autopsies of people following injections, specifically COVID injections. And guess what they found? You already know. Both, both specifically, well, first of all, Pfizer's own study proved before it ever started that the lipid concentration found its way in your spleen, in your reproductive organs, in, I mean, everything. And yet somehow we were able to be sold, people were able to be sold on the idea that it stays in your shoulder muscle. That would me think how stupid that is. It's on their own trial data. But then, of course, the lipid nanoparticles carry the mRNA instructions to make spike protein. So the point is, the spike protein is all over your body. And that's what they're finding. They're finding not only, this, and I'll show you this in a minute, that the vaccine sequences, specifically spike protein, specifically mRNA, are being found throughout your blood. But they're being found in every organ in the body. mRNA is being found in every organ in the body. I've already shown you two, I think three, for sure two peer-reviewed studies. I'm only saying that because I don't know if the third one was peer-reviewed, about this being found. There's no question there. So when he's talking about placentas and having these things found in them, we know there's a problem here, guys. It says these placentas are the wrong size for this age. The placentas are calcified. These placentas have spike proteins in them. I mean, how in the world we pretend like this isn't exactly what it looks like? Here's Senator Ron Johnson pointing out the Vayers data, which, by the way, it doesn't need a senator to point it out. It's always been there. They are actively trying to hide from this stuff. As always, we should remember that this, these signal safety signal systems don't need to be proven, as they told you before this started. Dr. Rain from the MHR, MHRA in, the, in England, in the, in the UK, said in the 2006, as the Guardian wrote, you don't need to prove these safety signals. You just need enough to pull. The, then you pull it. You don't need to prove them. That's the way the system works. But apparently today, because the potential that somebody could lie is apparently a new thing, no, that's just the way they're hiding this. So they go, we don't know for sure. So they never look into it. But we don't know for sure to them means it's not that. But that's not what it means, does it? It means we don't know for sure, which means it definitely could be the injection. And I think the point is we are all very clearly seeing that's exactly what it is. Bayer's data on COVID vaccine injuries as of February 10th, 2023. Of the 34,385 worldwide deaths, 8,680, 25% occurred on day zero, one, or two following the injection, all of which get labeled unvaccinated. I've proven this to you a hundred times over. Every single thing that happens in the first 14, in Scotland's case, 21 days, gets dumped into unvaccinated. That is deaths, hospitalizations, and cases, all of which happened wildly more in the first 14 days. 
They know that. That's why they pretend it doesn't matter until after the time frame we know that things stop happening. <laughs> I mean, just look at the data here, guys. Ivermectin compared to the COVID vaccine. Everything. All of them. Here's flu vaccines. <clears throat> Adverse events reported. 207,000. That's from 1996 to the, 20, to the 31st. December 2022. All said and done from 1996, 207,000 adverse events. COVID vaccines, just from 25 months, 1,521,000. Just deaths, flu vaccines, 2,138 since 1996. And that I probably wouldn't even believe. That, but I also don't believe their number here. I guarantee it's higher. In fact, we know that it's guaranteed to be higher by potentially, you know, uh, what would it be by, you know, uh, By a hundred times, I guess if it's one percent, it'd be a hundred times. Ten percent, it would be by ten times. The point is that it's potentially a hundred times more if it's one percent of the total, which is what HHS and Harvard found, one to ten or something like that. The point here is that it's two thousand reported from nineteen ninety six for flu vaccines compared to thirty four thousand just in the months we've had this COVID injection out. More than all of the system combined of injections, anyway. Think about how crazy that is, but we're going to pretend it's not happening. Here's another video Chief Nerd put out. California physician says he has treated hundreds of COVID vaccine-related injuries. You know, the ones that we're being told aren't happening. Quote, I have to apologize on behalf of my profession. Physicians have really fallen on our face. They have refused to listen to patients when they come with vaccine injuries. That's what's happening. This guest, a physician from Roseville, California, says that he's treated more than 4,000 COVID patients. I grew up in Sacramento, Cal, or technically Orangevale, which is right. I lived in Roseville for many times over the years. It's funny. And of those, he says hundreds experience vaccine-related injuries, including chest pain, cancer, and in women, menstrual irregularity, and even pregnancy loss. Dr. Michael Huang joins me now. Dr. Huang, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. In your 20-plus years as a practicing physician... How many vaccine-related injuries did you come across before the COVID shot became available? Before the pandemic, before the COVID vaccine uh, uh, vaccination program, I've seen maybe one or two adult vaccine-related injury, and they were mild. And I had to apologize on behalf of my profession. That physician had really fought on our face, and they have refused to listen to patients when they come in with vaccine injury symptoms and basically just assume that it doesn't exist. So before um, the discovery of germ theory, uh, there's a Hungarian physician, doctor, um, uh, that, that uh, obstetrician that he had basically discovered, if you were just to wash our hands, that would reduce um, uh, birth-related uh, mother uh, death by about uh, 100%. And no one would listen to him because people just didn't believe that there is actually germs that can cause childbirth-related death. Yeah, so once, so again, I think so once are, again, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're ignoring, we're ignoring <laughs> the real-world experience of physicians on the front line treating patients. We're dismissing what they're seeing with their own eyes in favor of a medical cartel. Yes. That's how, what we, we call them. Which is exactly what Fox News did and still does in a large part of this narrative. Got to love that kind of lack of awareness, right? Or choice. Because <laughs> that's what's happening, right? Like right now, there's a lot of people that even Fox News isn't talking about. It's the same game. 
especially the beginning of all this. That are just decreeing this is how it shall be. Doctor, this week, the Florida Surgeon General put out an official health alert saying that since the COVID vaccine was released, there's been a 1,700% increase in the vaccine adverse event reporting system. So, Doctor, sh should the government be recommending COVID shots or boosters of any kind to any American today, given the risk-benefit analysis that we pretty much understand at this point? Sure, Laura. If you get sick, you don't call CDC or FDA for recommendations. If my patient gets sick in California, they don't call Dr. Gavin Newsom for uh, treatment recommendations. Government should let doctor practice medicine. So uh, what the uh, Florida's report has indicated as far as the high number of COVID vaccine injury, it's true. Various websites for years and years has tracked vaccine injuries. On average, about 180 deaths will be contributed uh, from the vaccine yearly. That's about 10 to 12 uh, vaccine-related uh, deaths per month. The first month of COVID-19 vaccine program got started, there were over 180 deaths reported. We should have seen that clear signal that something needs to be right. stopped. And think about that right in the beginning, right? The very first time, that it was enough right there. That was more than we've seen in other entire systems in the past. But all they did, and this is what's carried ever since, was go, oh, well, people, you know, there's, con there's conspiracy theorists. They're just, they're just lying about it because they hate the vaccine. Okay, did they prove any of that? Well, no, that's just a concocted narrative that certainly could be true and probably is to some degree. But so you're okay just ignoring everything that then comes in as a report because it might be a conspiracy theory? Yeah, that's literally where they stood and still stand. Now it's turned Vayers into some conspiracy theory site, according to people on Twitter. But then gets referenced by the government when they want to make a point that they like. I mean, it's just, you, this is as obvious as it gets if you have two brain cells to rub together. Should the shot be mandated, given what we know now about the shot? Should it, should it even be available? to people? I mean, see, what a false question, too. And this, I, this, I can't point Fox, same games. It, it doesn't matter whether it's safe, effective, dangerous. It shouldn't be mandated anyway. Like that question inherently seems to suggest that there is a case in which it should be mandated. And Fox has made it clear that they do stand on that line, that it should be in certain cases. People at this point. Absolutely not. Looking at the potential and, and the high risk of adverse event, it doesn't matter if it's one in a thousand, one in a hundred is too high. If you come to me with an illness, I need to use tool A, B, C, and D to treat you. And vaccine, yes, can be one of those tools way down on the list. We need to, need to look at what needs to be done. We've got to do it right away. We've got to act first. We've got to look at who is at risk for injury and tease that out and not just a blanket approach that can injure a lot of people. All right, doctor. Right, and that's, that's what we're seeing everywhere is the blanket approach. Despite the argument that that's somehow not equitable to other countries, they're applying a one-size-fits-all world to us, though. <laughs> Contradictories, contradictions everywhere you look. Now, the point is that you have this obvious problem of heart cardiac issues, myocarditis, strokes, blood clots, all of this just as, as obvious as it's ever been in history. And still, and look, I mean, we're going from topic to topic here. The pregnant issue, the reproductive issues. Oh, actually, I, I forgot. I haven't gotten to the pregnant part. The, these are as obvious as they get individually. But you put all of this together, it's we are living through a worldwide conspiracy. I don't know how that's not possible.
or how it's not aware to everybody, a common sense observation to everybody. Woman's heart restarted seven times in 11 days. Seven times in 11 days. A 21-year, a 22-year-old woman had her heart started seven times. Her, it says she's a nurse, which the point is she's injected. 22-year-old woman, this was highlighted, I'm trying to suss it out real quick, who has no family, no history of heart conditions, was told she may have caught a virus resulting in, guess what, inflammation and excess fluid around her heart. Otherwise, seemingly myocarditis caused by a virus, but totally not the thing that you're putting in the bodies that causes the reduction of the spike protein. That causes, no, 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 that then very clearly provably causes this exact thing. Totally not that. Did you prove it? Nope, nope. We're just not going to even look at that because we've already decided that's not even possible. She's now wearing a defibrillator and waiting for the test. You know, the whole implantable direction seemingly being forced into everybody. <laughs> that's what this is. I mean, my God, this is happening everywhere. Now, do I know for sure this is directly? No, I don't. And I'm always, always going to be honest about that. But the fact that this is so common right now, completely healthy children, adults, adolescents with no history of any problems having seven heart attacks or rather not even heart attacks. I mean, your heart restarted seven times. There's obviously a problem guys. Or Chris uh, Martinson points out that according to Jane Foley. Oh, I thought, I thought, actually I thought she was somebody in any case, supposedly an expert on the corporate media, dead heart muscle is not a big deal. <laughs> Think about that. Same how there's mild myocarditis. There's no mild heart problems here, guys. And that myocarditis and pericarditis, all of those cases resolve very quickly. You realize they're just recreating reality right now. Really? All of them? He says, how monstrous of her to ignore the many cases where that's absolutely not true. But here she is, clearly reaping the benefits of being trotted out to say these kind of things. The stories that we hear from time to time for people who have had really bad reactions to the vaccines. Yeah, this is really important and it definitely happens. So yeah. with the COVID vaccines, with the vaccines that are in circulation now, so the mRNA vaccine, we're seeing very low, very, very low, but still, it's still happening. Huh. Um, cases of myocarditis and pericarditis. So no, no, it's actually one in 800. And that's the, that's probably the the number we get forcing it out from the truth from them. That's what we're dealing with. One in 800 serious adverse events. The risk of myocarditis is dramatically higher than what they're telling people. And that's been proven by peer-reviewed science. They just don't talk about it. Heart inflammation, lung inflammation. Um, all of those cases resolve very quickly. They all of them. He wasn't mincing words, guys. All of them. I mean, think about the audacity to say something like that. So... Nothing is serious, no matter what, when it involves the COVID injection? Apparently not. Usually quite mild. Um, it's really important to go straight to GP, though, if you feel any symptoms. Um, of oh, but I thought they told you the symptoms were showing you that it was working. Don't forget, the CDC's website I just showed you literally says that. That all side effects, like when you experience side effects, it shows you that that's, it's working. That's, I'm not, that's paraphrasing. I forget what they said exactly. It was something like, they're, all of them are expected or something like that. All of them. They, of course, they didn't mention myocarditis, but they didn't differentiate. They just said all the side effects. That's the game they keep playing. I mean, think about how irresponsible that is. Feel any symptoms um, of those conditions. So feel odd, feel racing heart. Yeah, they tell you that's normal. That means it's working. But according to her, rush to the hospital because you may have a thing that won't actually be dangerous. Does that make sense? Why would you rush to the hospital if she tells you it's probably uh, all of them recover fine?
right? I mean, these people are making themselves look dumb in one sentence. Um, it's it just feel unwell. Go to your GP. Always really important. It's a really important. To- and you know, and again, just taking just guessing because who knows? It's she probably she she's either thinks she's right or being pressured by people behind. I mean, who knows? But think about how. I mean, it's not based on an opinion or political stance. Why would you rush in or, I mean, it's just contradictory. I don't need to beat the dead horse. Say, though, that if you get COVID without a vaccine on board, you're much more likely to nope. get myocarditis. Fake news. That's, of course, what the the narrative is. That's what she's told by the people she blindly trusts. It's not the truth, though, even according to the CDC's own doc, docu, documentation. I mean, that's how dumb all of this is. That's 2020 narrative land. Not true, though. Not even remotely true. We've already proven to you with peer-reviewed science that this is less than the flu pre-vaccination. So how exactly is it more risky then? They're just going with narrative, guys. I bet you she tells you it stays in your shoulder muscle too. So much more common from the disease itself nope. than from the vaccine and much more severe. And I nope. think that message is really important. So Fake when we news. compare risk, your risk, the risks associated with the vaccine are much safer than the nope. risk. Nope. The risks are safer. (laughs) Gotta love that statement. But either way, guys, the point is that's just not true. The risk of COVID for the vast majority of people under 69 is dramatically less than the flu. Period. The risk of whatever that may cause then becomes exponentially far less. But the point of whether it even is capable of causing what they say, I have two peer-reviewed studies that say that's not even possible. That it does not cause myo or pericarditis. Period. Now, yeah, there are studies that say otherwise. But doesn't that matter that we have contradicting peer-reviewed studies? It should. But according to her, it's all good. It goes away immediately and you're, di- you're going to die if you get COVID. I mean, it just comes down to ignorance or not caring. Mind-blowing. Now here, Carolina Statnik, a stand-sick of the Army National Guard, suffered two heart attacks. Now, she's, made a, she's been on a lot of interviews after receiving the COVID vaccine. 21 years old. Here's how they treated her after the first attack. The first time I've really talked about it, but... um lies were made about me and I was denied uh, cardiology appointments after my second heart attack. And think about between that. the first and the second one, that's two months. And I had still yet to see a cardiologist and they had been denying me medical care for over four months. Yeah. Can I ask what the lies were? So they told um, the doctor that I was unable to make it to Fort Bliss, Texas. I was stationed in Arizona. I was unable to make it to Fort Bliss, Texas because I was out of state with a family emergency with my father. First of all, I was in the state. Second of all, I don't have a dad. And third of all, I was able to make it and I needed that appointment. It was two days after a heart attack. So they just straight up lied. I mean, think about how often we're seeing this right now. Maddie DeGarry had a stomach ache and it was over. Actually, what happened was she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life eating through a tube because of the injection. That was at, she. That happened to her in the room she got the vaccination think about that collapse hurt problems she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life eating through a tube right now and they still on the record say all she had was a stomach ache they watched it happen how do you not see what that really is they are telling her just making up a story about where she was because if they said we want to you know in in, in a vitriolic way maliciously tell her that you can't do this because you didn't do what we wanted you to do. You can't say that. So you make up a story about her father and she's out of town. Not true. According to her. It just, this is where we really are guys. Even us, even those of us that know we're being manipulated, we really need to come to terms with truly how malicious evil this is. 
willful people that are i mean we're talking about nurses here that have just gone so propagandized that we've seen and we've seen a lot of that a lot of these people in these positions of power got drunk on that power and to disgusting things and so after that inconvenient first heart attack you are denied heart care cardiology care on this bogus lie, obviously demonstrable lie and then you have another heart attack and I, you know, on top of that, I would argue probably because even then, right when Eddie pointed to this, you knew they were telling you that this increases your risk of myocarditis. I don't care if it's 0.1%. There's an increased risk of exactly what you're dealing with, or at least heart problems. So it's pretty dumb for them to say you have to take the thing that risks the thing you have because we want to deal with, we want to treat your heart. I mean, think about that's why they just had to make up a story, apparently. That, that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. That's as scandalous as it gets. I agree. Yeah. And I got, am I allowed to curse on the show? <laughs> Support the troops though, right? Support the troops, except the ones that we don't do what they're told. You can do whatever you want on the show. <laughs> okay. So I got told when I had asked them, why is my appointment appointment canceled? I had earmuffs found out through my platoon that it was canceled. They didn't tell me. And it was 12 hours before the appointment. And so I found out through my platoon, that's a HIPAA violation opening up about medical information about others without consent. Um, So that was a big issue. And when I found out, went down to the uh, drill sergeant's office and I spoke to them and I asked them what's going on and me crying. I was like, this is insane. Like you guys can't just sit here and tell me that's canceled. It's been in the books for months now and you guys are the ones who scheduled it. And so I walked away and I was like, I'm tired of this place. I want my medical records. And they told me to quit bitching. Quit bitching. Quit bitching about your heart attack that you had and the and the heart appointment yeah. that was canceled. Based on so I made those calls and found that, yeah, I made those calls. And that's how I found out that recording of the phone call through the appointment line and the case manager at the other base. And so I asked her, how long do I have till I can use this? And she said, it'll be um, unable to be used in two years. And so I said, OK. I mean, what how else do you see that but a cover up? In, in one small part of it, but my God, this is straight. That is a conscious choice to lie about what's going on there. Now, why would that be done from a, from an administration level? Like as in, as in the people, like the nurses and the, like, how do you make sense of that? That means that some level they must know that they're part of, I just blows my mind how clear this is. The defender exclusive autopsy confirms. This is as of, uh, this is as of the, well, oh, wait a minute. I could have swore this was, Oh, you know what? I think I grabbed uh, son of a gun. This is not the right article. I was just referencing. Uh, that's too bad. Well, hold on. No, I'm not going to try to find it. It's going to take too long. I'm the show's obviously long today. Well, in any case, this is one of the this is one of the a report that's so re- relevant to this. But my point was I wanted to get to the autopsies about what we just talked about. I thought that was the Defender article discussing the autopsy about the you know mRNA being found in the body, which. I've already shown on my show more than once. So since we have this article up, it is actually still relevant. It says uh, this is about specifically an autopsy confirming 26-year-old's death from myocarditis directly caused by the Pfizer vaccine. No surprise there. It's exactly what we're seeing all the way. I mean, this is this is January 2022. Look at where we are now. Even more. But they're still lying about it. Think how crazy that is. Now, here's an example of what she just went through. No jab, no heart. A mother denied a transplant due to her lacking of vaccination. Now, again, how it's possible, February 13th, 2023, that you're telling somebody 
who already has a need for a heart transplant, take an injection that hurts your heart potentially, and now we know it's way worse than they're letting on, so a high risk of potential heart problems, at the very least inflammation, which is the last thing you want before you want to have surgery. They're going, you have to take this shot that's going to put you in danger because of what we're going to do to then be able to take the surgery that then will be more risky because of the shot. I mean, that's, this is just mind-blowingly stupid. These people don't care. I just don't understand how that makes sense when they're not stupid enough to not to ignore that. They, we all see the conversation about myocarditis and whatever else. And you're going, take this thing that affects your heart before heart surgery. Otherwise, we're not going to give you the heart surgery. I don't know what that is, but if not brainwashing. This is happening all over the place. Here is uh, uh, J- John Campbell as well, also discussing exactly what we keep telling people. As FCC points out, exactly as you've been saying. The NA, this is the study we've already pointed out. I just wanted to reiterate this because of where we are now. And John Campbell knows what he's talking about. He's, he's, you know, he was on the other side of this in the beginning. He's now come around to see this. My point is he's, you know, knows the field, knows what he's talking about. And the point is, this is a study or his discussion of the study about the fact that mRNA is found in your blood 28 days after the injection. Okay, so isn't that an obvious reality to see that mRNA spike protein, all of this gets into your blood, which gets into your heart, gets into your body, which causes, the, yes, it matters for the heart myocarditis discussion, but also for the fact that they are still right now arguing that this isn't necessary. Conservative view points out the immediate need to screen blood for mRNA and spike protein. I mean, how would this is even pushed off is, is beyond belief. We know this is happening. It's been proven. Peer-reviewed studies as well as them themselves admitting this is not what we thought before. Fauci writes an entire article about how the whole thing didn't work and we're still going forward. Just It's just that stupid. Well, there is a reason this is necessary. Here is, as we've shown you many times, the Red Cross as of September of last year, 2022, and still to this moment maintains this argument. They say, we do not label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood. Why? Because they claim the vaccine does not enter the bloodstream and poses no risk because of that. Well, they're wrong. I've personally shown them that they're wrong. Here's another peer-reviewed study. Here's the one that he's referencing, John Campbell. January 17th, 2023, mRNA vaccine sequences, literally vaccine sequences, circulate in the blood up to 28 days after COVID vaccination. And then this individual also points out, thank you, censor this, that the other one, this one, this is the other one he's pointing out. Guess what? Vaccine mRNA specifically found 15 days post-vaccination and longer because the study ends there. Okay, so how is it possible that the American Cross, Red Cross, can still pretend that's not the case? Because they're in 2020 narrative land. They don't care about the rest of this. They're waiting for direction from above. They've hid this already. They've covered this up already. I've got them on record on the phone, which I'll I'll play for the 15th time if it becomes necessary, that they admit that this is the case. But yet here we are. This is an example of how clear it is that we are in a conspiracy. This is obvious. Or at the very least, control that these people only do what they're told in a robotic fashion, and it just doesn't matter until somebody at some level tells them it's okay. So that means that it's not about safety, it's about control. Well, think about how crazy that is. So we know that it gets in the bloodstream, we know that it affects the heart, the body, the blood, everything, and they're still forcing people to do this. They're still lying about that. They're giving people blood transfusions like the baby that died afterward. 
without caring if it has these things in it, even though we know that will affect the, especially a baby, especially one that needs a blood transfusion, but nobody cares. Here's Ozzy17 pointing out that even the UK data themselves, they, we, I remember we were doing this back when they were, I mean, we were calling out the Scotland data, the UK data from 2021 forward, proving that their data itself showed you this was risky. And then they censored all that data. And now they're still forcing, they're, they're having to edit it themselves. To make this quick, UK death data by vac status for 2022 just magically dropped. What do you know? Retro, you know, remember in, remember in uh, 2021, they all of a sudden had that info, or was 2022? The year where all of a sudden, at the end of the year, they just added like 300,000 deaths. They, oh, well, we just updated it. Oh, look at that. Now it looks like what we thought it was. No, that was a game. We proved it. They lied about it like everything else they're doing. Well, what are they doing here? Well, they're retroactively removing these things. And now, as you can see, the X's in the data are suddenly gone. That's what it means. The point is the data of first dose, less than 21 days, are you going to pretend that nothing, April, May, June, July, August, nothing? Really? Same thing here. Second, so they're just removing this data. And as he says, data by vac status. So the more that you remove the deaths because that are after vaccination, the more it looks better for you. Here's the government data you can look at for yourself. It's very easy to see. Now, here is a report from Norman Fenton discussing the same point. And you, I just, I'm in the interest of time, I'm just going to include this so you can watch it for yourself. It's Norman Fenton and John Campbell. He's, I think he's on John Campbell's show. And the point is, you can very clearly see that they manipulate the data. And that's the point they're making here, is they alter the data and the way that they rate this to make it look like the way, and these are experts telling you this. They're hiding it behind altered data and, and statistics. And deleting things now to retroactively make it look better. But here is stuff that you can't really run from. As lo- really everything we're talking about today. Here's February 9th, 2023. Remember just moments ago when they told you that the stroke was a possible risk? And then less than 24 hours later, they said, we, we investigated and we found nothing. Or I think it was maybe, I think it was 24, like 30 hours. It was, it was like a day later. Which clearly they did their due diligence, right? No. Because the point, in my opinion, was to say, we found it, to get us all to go see, we knew it, and then come back out and go, no, but we found it, and it's not there. So then all of the people come out and say, we knew it, anti-vaxxers, you were wrong, you jumped the gun. Well, no, there is a risk, and it's always been there. Whether or not they fake investigated it and said one day later that it's not there, here is another study on top of, I think, the three we've shown specifically about strokes after COVID vaccination. This is a statewide analysis. February 9th, 2023, COVID-19 infection and vaccine type and their association with stroke after early COVID vaccination. That's the the focal point. Now, what it says is in a retrospective cohort study, that's important to remember what that means is that they look back over the data. That, That doesn't mean these things are not necessary, but that usually means, you know, looking at registries, looking at observational data, looking at, you know, VAER systems and stuff. So that that's lower rung than random controlled trial kind of stuff. It's important anyway, because of what they find here. It says, in a retrospective cohort study, we estimated the 21-day post-vaccination incidence of stroke among COVID-19 first-dose vaccine recipients. Now, ask yourself, if they're including everything that happens within the first 21 days and finding lots of stuff, and yet Scotland and UK are mostly doing any or, or anything that happens in that period dumping into unvaccinated, how does that possibly make sense? It does, but you know why, because it's a cover-up. Because that is an effort to hide what is clearly the time frame when most everything happens. 
I mean, that's, this is, this is like saying you're injecting some kind of new substance into your body, but it only matters after 20 days. To, if you, if it's actually going to affect you, right. Like, I'm going to inject some poison in my arm, but it happens in 20 days. Then it wasn't the poison. It's like, come on, it's just a game. And at, before this, I mean, I think everybody knows this personally, but just it ain't clear. That's what they're doing. They're looking back at the, as it says here, Georgia immunization registry and so on. So those things are susceptible to alteration, manipulation, lies, like everything else. But <clears throat> and the point is, even if that's the case, then this is still what they find. Those with concurrent, basically, I think this word's redundant personally. And I'm not sure that they include it twice. The point is both those with COVID infection, those with COVID infection within 21 days post-vaccination had an increased risk of stroke, ischemic or hemorrhagic stroke with no evidence for interaction between vaccine type and concurrent COVID infection. And I think that's why they do it twice. And the point is, <clears throat> excuse me, that they take those that got an infection within 21 days, which again, in England, in the UK, in Scotland, they would count that as unvaccinated. Just realize how dumb that is. And they would say, okay, and they would say anyone within that 21 days who had an injection, or rather, I'm, I'm making it confused. It says the 21-day post-vaccination incident of a stroke was... Oh, yeah, I guess that's the right sentence. Let me just read it full, all the way through. The, re the reason... I, I have multiple thoughts in my head I'm trying to explain. I'm making it confusing. The point is, to make this clear first, since I've already started, is that when it says no evidence of interaction between vaccine type, what they're essentially meaning, as I take it, is that this is about... They're not crossing vaccination types. They're either taking Pfizer all the way through or Moderna all the way through right? With no evidence of different vaccinations alongside the infection. But the point is someone who has an infection and has the injection, but it's post 21 days. So what I think is possible here, guys, is that it's not really an infection, that this is somebody who got these injections and then got sick with a false PCR test. Now we see that happening right now when they never had COVID-19. That's later proven to be the case. They have all the same symptoms. They have a false positive, but the injection is causing all the things we're seeing. I mean, it's identical symptoms. So is it possible that that's what the concurrent infection is and all of this has to do with the injection? Yes. But not, regardless of that, their point is they're taking people that had the shots and had an infection they claim within 21 days after those shots. But what they're saying is the 21-day post-vaccination timeframe, or rather incidence of these strokes, was... 8.8.14 for Pfizer, 11.14 for Moderna, and 10.48 for AstraZeneca. So first of all, Moderna, the mRNA injection, has the highest possible risk of stroke. Now it says concurrent, the conclusion is concurrent COVID-19 infection. So an infection at the same time after, within 21 days after the injection, had the strongest association with early ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke after the first dose of vaccination. So again, the point is the vaccination is the, core, the, ca the catalyst, the, core, the correlation. Plenty of people have their COVID-19 infections or whatever we're calling that, whether it's vaccination induced or otherwise. But the timing of it in along with the injection is where they're finding the stroke. So whether that's the injection itself causing what they call the infection, or not, it's the injection that is associated with the stroke. We can't miss how clear that is. And then realize that only based after they uh, adjusted it based on, where was it right here? Uh, age, race, and gender, as plenty of pointing out the game it this way. Only after that is when they find AstraZeneca being the highest risk. But up here, Moderna, based on all general evidence, seems to be the highest risk. 
But yet they just told you that there's no evidence of that after their one day investigation. It just never ends. Yes, there is an increased risk of stroke after all of these injections. Here's Aaron Siri. Pfizer's clinical trial had more deaths after vaccination than placebo. Again, you know this because we reported it, but let's reiterate this in the context of everything else we're seeing. All of their trial data, seemingly every single part of it has been altered, lied about, manipulated, or covered up for 75 years, they were hoping. And all of it seems to show us the opposite of what they're telling us. All of it. The phase three trial itself finding that, yes, a 36% increase after Pfizer compared to the placebo. And here is why. They lied about it. Clinical trials are supposed to be statistical comparisons. They are designed to compare the outcomes in the group receiving a novel product with the outcomes in the group receiving a placebo. Receiving a placebo. The resulting statistics are then used to decide if the product is safe and effective. This is why if more people died in the vaccinated group than in the placebo group in Pfizer's clinical trial, the FDA should have pulled the, prog- pulled the plug on the product. It's quite simple. Yet, when more people died, which is what happened in the trial after vaccination, then compared to placebo, did the FDA pull it? No. Instead, they just let Pfizer explain. Good. Let me explain why more people died in the injection side of it and tell you why that means safe and effective. More deaths in vaccinated group compared to placebo. In July of 2021, a study published by Pfizer explained that, quote, during the blinded placebo-controlled period, 15 participants in the Pfizer group and 14 in the placebo group died. Right. So that means one more, one more person than compared to the placebo group died. But the fact that 15 people died in the vaccine group should be shocking in and of itself. But then compared to 14 placebo means that that's a higher risk. But they using FDA-style math, they argue it's a 7% increased chance of death. Now, that alone should be enough to say you shouldn't force this on children. But no, they don't care about that because it's, it's inconsequential as far as they're concerned. Oh, I, oh, you know what? I'm pretty sure this is where we get into the pregnancy part of it that I was trying to remember before. Let's find out. But it gets worse, he writes. After the placebo group was unblinded, an additional five participants who received the vaccine died. I mean, that's, that's as obvious as it gets. The point is what they did is they unblinded. They then gave them the injections and five more of them died. This is what Del Bigtree pointed out was going to happen. He called it and said that before we even get this fleshed out, they're going to argue they have some moral imperative to give the injection to the people that were in the control group. Because if they don't, they're all conceptable to die. Well, no, clearly it wasn't. It's less than the flu, but they wanted to do this to hide the control group, which is exactly what he argued. It says adding this up in the clinical trial from July 2020 to March 2021 20 deaths occurred among those, excuse me, 20 deaths occurred among those who received the vaccine as compared to only 14 who received a placebo. That's 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 very, very clear. Here is a nice chart right here summarizing this form from Canadian uh, COVID Care Alliance. If you can take a screenshot, if you want to use it for tweets, whatever else, make sure you include the link here. It says, oddly, one second. Pardon me. Now it says, oddly, in a separate FDA report, it said there were 38 deaths total. 21 in the vaccinated group and only and 17 in the placebo. In the placebo, reflecting a 24% increased risk of mortality. 24. And, that, and there has been 
Despite demand discussed below, no accounting for the FDA for the discrepancy between its data and Pfizer's data. So one, they don't care, but there's a discrepancy. They just go with it, which does speak largely to what, by the way, Taylor Hudak has an interview with Sasha Latipova coming out very soon, potentially in the next couple of days. She's editing it right now. My point in saying that is that's where this comes into play here, right? The idea that the discrepancy, that should be a huge deal. And the reason they just act like it's not happening speaks to the fact that this is and always has been, as you know, it's not even a secret, a, a, a DOD project. Operation Warp Speed was a Department of Defense project. It all it was very clear. I don't know why that became some kind of exposed secret over the last couple of months. But at the end of the day, what I think really she's exposing and Sasha's work is important is that the FDA part of this is theater because of the national security defense argument and how that plays in to the way the, the documentation works and the systems work under that kind of auspice. The point is that that is obvious. And it's every moment you look, you wonder, why is the FDA not even saying, there you go, because they know there's some kind of higher up driving this, at least at the top, I would argue. That's why you have people in the middle that go, what? How are we allowing this to happen? And then they resign in, resign in protest and nobody cares. Think about all the stuff we've seen so far. 24% increase. No big deal. Instead, FDA let Pfizer explain. Explain away the deaths and guess what Pfizer concluded. Quote, none of these deaths were considered related to the injection by their own investigators. We investigated ourselves and we found ourselves not guilty. And the FDA simply parroted what Pfizer said in their report. Quote, none of the deaths were considered related. Okay, why? We... Do, Top secure. What's the word that he, you know, uh, not for, uh, I don't know what they call that. Anyway, the fact we're not going to tell you for 75 years. The point is they never explained. They never even tried to explain why that even makes sense. Why did their investigators find that? Was there some indication that it wasn't connected when it was clearly correlated? Nope, nothing. Well, on top of the deaths, which should be enough, they've also seen double the cardiovascular deaths in vaccinated groups compared to placebo. A closer look at the reason Pfizer gave for each of the deaths should have raised alarm bells. This is because there were double the number of deaths from cardiovascular issues in the group that got the vaccine. What a perfect correlation in a terrible way to what we're seeing in the world today. Here's the, you can break this all down. All, by the way, as usual, all the data is here, every link, everything for you to prove for yourself. They also ignored that in the 2021, in 2021, after the rollout of the vaccine, there were 3 million 469,627 total deaths in the United States. Whereas in 2020, when there was effectively no vaccine, there were fewer deaths at 3,347,128. Now, again, those are reports, right? Well, we, there's very liberal with our numbers, we're told. So obviously that scoops up things that aren't included. But the point, nonetheless, is that at a time when we're, we're basically, when there is no injection that's supposed to save everybody's lives, we had less death the next year with supposedly the life-saving magic syrup more. But it makes sense, though, because whatever they say, lockdowns and this caused more and, you know, climate change. It doesn't matter. They don't have to prove anything. They just say it and all their lackeys go along with it. Data from various countries also reflects that the vaccinated have a higher rate of mortality. Yeah, but let's ignore that, though. The most obvious thing possible, the actual data showing a habit. Nope, fake news because anti-vaxxers. The FDA's incredible response was as follows. This I just is just mind blowing. This is the end, the end point here. Went to the fight, they reach out on I, I can specifically to find out. 
You know, how do you explain this? This is literally what they said. As of right now, we are unable to respond substantively at this time due to resource constraints and the ongoing pandemic response. But they sure as hell have time to type all this out. It is thus necessary for the agency to prioritize its responses to individual inquiries. We note that the agency is providing to your law firm in response to a FOIA request an unprecedented volume of records that comprise the license application of the product. Oh, I see. So you don't like that they're asking for things, that even though they have a legal right to, but because they ask for so much, we're going to put you to the back of the line? Or I guess just pretend, like, you don't say that we're unable to because of everything else, but then make it clear that you've asked for a lot. That's kind of clear to me. Additionally, we are unable to respond substantively at this time due to resource constraints and the ongoing pandemic response. Oh, really? The, oh, yeah, the ongoing pandemic response? Is that what we're talking about? We're talking about the FDA here, by the way, the Federal Drug Administration. And we're going to pretend that they don't have the ability to respond to this because of COVID? That's pretty lazy. It is thus necessary for the agency to prioritize its responses to individual inquiries. So we don't like what you're asking. We note that the agency is providing to your law firm in response to FOIA requests an unprecedented, I guess I just repeated. Additionally, there are more than 50 pending FOIA requests submitted by your firm for data and information about COVID vaccines. There are more than 50, same point. I'm sorry, that's what happens. It, it repeats itself when I highlight it on Substack. Regardless, that's, that's what they're basically saying. Oh, so you're asking for too much. That's not how that's supposed to work. You don't get to pick and choose. What they're, at, what they're trying to pretend is they're overwhelmed. We can't get to it. How much you want to bet they never do. Truly incredible, he writes. The FDA really doesn't have the resources to figure out why more people are dying in the vaccine versus placebo group in the trial. That's, so they're more concerned with towing lines than actually finding out why people are dying. Obviously, it has the resources. It just doesn't have a good answer. I 100% agree. This is just as clear as I've ever seen anything in my life, guys. And, oh, see. Oh, okay, see, I did, I, I knew it. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself for not remembering that I did this. So here is what we're going to get to. This excellent article. Oh, really? With nothing highlighted? It's gone now? Oh, that's right. I'm going to go through it entirely. See, I switched things up last minute and I thought, I'll remember and then I forget. Anyway, you've seen me talk about this a lot. We just, we just talked about over here the birth rates plunging in general in every vaccinated country for the most part perfectly correlated, right? Well, don't forget, I've been saying this since the pa this past account and even before that because this one itself was reposted from the past one is that as is how can the COVID bivalent jab or the original be recommended as safe as they keep telling pregnant people? Safe and effective for pregnancy. That's what the CDC page says right now. How can they possibly know that when what the point is when most current official documents, as you can see right now, say that they don't know if it's safe. I'll just grab this one for you. All of them say the same thing. They don't know. Here's what it says. Same thing, interaction with other vaccines. Well, they don't know. You know why? Because they have not been performed. But do it, though. Take the flu shot right next to it because you got two arms, right? Long-term safety. We don't know. Unknown at present. Safe and, safe and effective, right? Here's the pregnant right here. The safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known. Why? Because they didn't test them. They didn't conclude them in the study, which is the next part we're going to get to. Now, they promised since then that they would they were doing another one because, well, we see something, even though they shouted you down for two years. Well, they go, okay, well, we see a risk. We're, we see a possible signal. We're going to start our own pregnant study, which is what they did. Before we get to that, here's the other part of this. Can't spell. Here we go. Pregnancy. No data are available. Why? 
Well, I mean, this one, the point is try to. The point is they don't have any data. Uh, the, the, next, the last one made it seem like they had something. They just nothing. We have no data on pregnancy and these shots. That's the FDA, guys. That is the FDA's website or page. Right, so that's what we're talking about, right? The FDA. So how in the world can we pretend that this makes sense? Well, it means that they're telling you it's safe when they don't know that. There's no way to misunderstand that. So that's why this nest part, I think, is very important. Marianne De, uh, DeMasi, PhD, February 23rd. It says, when COVID-19 vaccines were granted the emergency authorization in December 2020, there was consternation over whether pregnant women should be vaccinated. Pregnant and breastfeeding women were excluded from the trials, as we just showed you. So they say any recommendation was a gamble. The world was dealing with a novel vaccine technology tested under warp speed. No long-term safety data to speak of, of course. For this reason, the WHO did not widely recommend it for pregnant people. But not everyone agreed. January 2021, soon after the rollout, the CDC said, quote, unlikely to pose a specific risk to pregnant women. That's not the same thing. But you see, that got morphed into, despite no new evidence, no new data, into it's safe, as I just showed you. Because that's what it says now. Safe for pregnant people. But you see, this is what it started as. Unlikely to cause a specific risk because, you know, it's not based with live virus. That was their original argument. But does that include the, st- the tests about nanoparticles? No. mRNA? No. Spike protein? That At that point, they told you it was in your arm. doesn't go in your blood. So obviously there is a risk, but that morphed into, with more evidence of risk, to safe. Easy to prove. Professional societies, like the American College of Obstetricians, God, let me pronounce that properly. Let's do this. Obstetricians. God, it's one of those words I don't think I've ever been said out loud before. Obstetricians. Obstetricians. Jesus. Okay, so anyway, as I torture myself, I always try. The point is, as I just highlight, see the highlighted screws this up for me. Where was it? It's just doubled up on itself. Uh, anyway, the point was both advised that COVID-19 vaccines not be withheld from pregnant lactating women. Why exactly? Obstetricians. <laughs> it's like, I can say it in my mind and I can't, my, my mouth won't say it for some reason. What's another word like that I have? There's a word that I can never say. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, why would they say that it shouldn't be withheld if there's no evidence that it's safe. Like, explain that choice for me. I just really, I think it always comes down to that COVID is so dangerous that we have to do whatever, even if it might have its own risk. It can't be worse than COVID. Well, yeah, it can't. COVID is less than the flu. And that's proven by peer-reviewed science now going back to the beginning. Similarly, the UK Royal College <laughs> released a statement saying that COVID vaccines are strongly recommended. Yeah, they did say that. They still had no evidence. So as months passed, hundreds of thousands of pregnant women globally rolled up their sleeves and got the injections. The message from authorities was clear. The harm from the injection outweighed, or the the harm from COVID infection outweighed the harms from mRNA vaccines. But in truth, they couldn't possibly have known exactly what we keep telling you. Pfizer official product labeling information for pregnant women refers only to animal studies. Again, this is what even Dr. Bakhti says has never been performed. That is proven that they've never even done that. They said they did, but didn't do it. Think about that. Now, that's what Dr. Bakhti claims, but I, I would take his word right now over the word of Pfizer personally, but you should check this stuff for yourself. No vaccine-related adverse events on female fertility, fetal development, or postnatal development were reported. So they the same thing with the bivalent. They based this off something they tell you they did, which is questionable, to animals. 
But a free a FOIA request to Australian drug regulator in June shows the study was only carried out in 44 rats. This is what we've told you. It says the study found, ah, son of a gun, the study found that the vaccine led to a statistically significant doubling in fetal loss. Remember how many times I've told you this? 9.77%, an almost 10% decrease in the pregnancy index. But Pfizer, of course, concluded the difference between the two groups was not meaningful. They said anything that was un- was, was less than 25% wasn't enough to report. It's right on their own documents. How do you possibly make sense of that? Every woman out there would want to know if it's a 10% possible decrease, and that's what we're being told. The label also states that Pfizer's mRNA vaccine was not tested for its potential to cause carcinogenicity, cancer, or, or genetic information in par- or for infertility. Like, they just don't even know. Safe and effective, though. Unlike Pfizer, Moderna kept its pregnant ronins alive to test the embryos. Documents from Judicial Watch showed, quote, statistically significant number of rats, we also told you this, that were born with skeletal variations after being injected. It's, it's in their own documentation that they just don't tell people, and none of the corporate media cared to report it. I read it, 2020, when they put this stuff out, because that's when it was happening. Because even in the context of Forbes and the article discussing that it didn't stop transmission, they didn't even try, the reason it's 2020, not 2021, is because that's when it was being tested. Yes, the vaccines didn't roll out until 2021 for most people, but this was the trial data. That's why it was known that they didn't even try the test for transmission. And that's how we knew it in 2020 and 2021. It didn't just breaking news in 2022, like a lot of people reported. But it says that Moderna concluded the skeletal variations and structural changes that do not impact development or function of developing embryo and therefore do not consider adverse or not, excuse me, and therefore not considered adverse. So what, just because they decide that it didn't do enough, don't you have a right to know that it altered the variation of their skeletal makeup? Yes. The absence of any human data, Pfizer announced it would begin recruiting volunteers for a trial. This is what we're talking about. And this is specifically to examine the safety in pregnant women and newborns. The trial, which began in February 2021, so a year ago, or two years ago, originally intended to enroll 4,000 women, eventually just basically stopped after 349 people. Women. There has been no explanation for why they stopped recruiting participants, nor has the data been published. It has been over... Uh, th- now, this is... Wait, trial began in 2021, 2023. Oh, let me finish the sentence, baby. <laughs> Let's see, where was it? Uh, right here. It has been over a year since the last... That's why. I stopped short and I should have read the whole sentence. It's been over a year since the last woman was enrolled in the trial. So they were still enrolling people all the way up until last year. And all of them would be given have would have given birth by now. Recently, Marty McCary of, of Johns Hopkins said, quote, they should say something, right? They have a moral duty to speak up. Here we are 18 months later, lots of pregnant women getting injected later. The results of those 349 women who did get these injections have never been made public. Quote, they just recommended for pregnant people, pregnant women, I don't know why I keep saying that. It's not on purpose. They just recommended it for pregnant women with zero data. And maybe that's why Pfizer stopped the study. Running a study runs the risk of showing that there was no benefit to pregnant women, or worse yet, that it's hurting them, which is most likely. I think that's what happened. I think these people so dramatically were affected that they just stopped and knew that nobody would hold them to account. Just my opinion. 
in my in response to my questions today, I can reveal that the reason Pfizer hasn't published the study, the company admitted it doesn't have the data. That's what they're saying. In an email, Pfizer said the trial's enrollment rate declined significantly toward the end of 2021 because authorities had already widely recommended the vaccine to pregnant women, which, by the way, should be a huge point. Why exactly if you didn't know if it was safe? Nobody cares. Declining enrollments meant that there was insufficient numbers of participants in the trial to carry out the intended analysis. So what they're literally saying to you is we injected 393 women. That was the number, right? 349 women. Just on a quick note, see, that's how that works. Somebody's going to clip that and be like, he's wrong number. He's misinforming people. I just made a mistake. The point, though, is that here we are. 349 people got injected. Women. <laughs> Why? This is stupid. 349 women got injected. And they stopped because no, not enough enrolled. I, I mean, that kind of makes sense, actually. But they act like they just didn't care to analyze the data. Come on. This is a company with bottom line. They spent money on this. They spent money on the people, the injections, the time, the hours spent. You damn well better know that they cared to look. I believe they didn't like what they found. And that's why it stopped. The FDA said it does not comment on ongoing studies. You know, the study that they're not going to finish, but it's ongoing forever, so we're not going to comment. We're being gamed. And it's just painfully obvious. Here's the Telegraph talking about because here's the point about why this is going to continue, despite everything we know. Telegraph, on June 2022, says polio is spreading in Britain for the first time in nearly 40 years. Health officials have declared a national incident and urged people to make sure they're vaccinated. What's interesting, though, as this points out, really, your last tweet said it was vaccine-derived because it was. Oops. So hurry up and get the injection for the thing the injection caused. That's actually what they're saying because they just go through the motions. Danger vaccine. Who cares if we already just told you that it was literally a vaccine derived polio virus? We reported this before. I just think that's absurdly stupid. And it goes to the next point where she's sharing the same thing and saying a new vaccine to fight the vaccine derived polio variant. What could possibly go wrong? And this MHRA, an exciting new global study co-authored by our lead scientist, Javier Martin, shows the new polio vaccine is an effective tool in reducing the risk of vaccine-derived polio viruses. <laughs> I mean, this is like right there. My God. So they're, it's, they're, they're coming and going. They're going to cause the thing, and they're going to give you a thing to stop the thing, which then probably causes it again. I mean, it, it, of course, there's nuance to this. It's an older, I believe, an oral oral polio and vaccine that caused this and outbreak but the point is the same that we're causing we're you're giving you an injection for something that was caused by another injection that's ridiculous and that's not what's being reported to people broadly it's not what we're being told now here is the mhra now authorizing you know that same bivalent shot that all the new studies are showing or is more dangerous less effective doesn't actually apply to things that are currently happening causes all sorts of myocarditis and antibody dependent enhancement and and pathogen priming and i mean everything the increased adverse events are higher the la- the, the supposed efficacy that's not even there is less everything about this doesn't work and cop of that it causes all sorts of other things that we've been talking about because it's made for ba1 with no te- no human trials, was then pushed over to BA4 and 5, is now pushed over to the whatever it was, the XBB1, and then 1B5, and now we're on CH11. You realize what's happening. There's been zero more testing, and they're still just giving you the bivalent shot that was never even tested for human testing for B4 or 5. The first thing they said it was for. 
Okay, so this is exactly what we promised, or rather what we told you they were going to do, that this was designed to be the no safety testing platform mRNA direction. And they told you this, if you were listening, that we don't need safety testing. We just need to input the new genetic code, which, matter of fact, is how this started. When Moderna got the Chinese genetic code and made it two days later without any kind of proof of anything else. Because this was always what it was. My point is, this is not safe. Not the original, not the bivalent especially. And yet here we are as the MHRI just goes, okay, authorized. Oh, you mean proof? No, no, emergency authorized. We're going forward with emergency stuff for specifically the shot that's now been bastardized for four other things that it's never even remotely connected to. Without human testing, mind you. At least in the United States. For 12 years and above. Well, not only as, as the UK caught up and said, here, bivalent, take the new thing that's equally as dangerous or more so. Chief Nerd points out that Pfizer is now going one step further for the United States. If this BLA is approved, people 12 years or older will now be able to receive the bivalent shot as their first one and skip over the Wuhan, which, by the way, is probably a smart thing if you're dumb enough to get the shots at all. Because the first one is ridiculously not if if any of these make sense this one is something that's based on something from the very beginning that's changed more times over than we can count now we're at a time where they're stretching out the last change over four or five different variants if that's even what's happening so them going back and saying fine just take the original why that didn't happen to begin with when they switched to this is beyond me the whole point about why this one was necessary was because this the variants had changed but yet you're forcing people to take the old thing that's not related to where we are to get this next one it just shows you either how completely mindlessly adherent they are to the, the process, even if it's dangerous, or something more, something bigger. That I th- that's what I think. That this is more about the next steps in this whole process. Either way, none of this is justified because every one of these are dangerous. And they're making it for everything else too. We keep telling you this. Not only is it going to rush out, by the way. Now realize how it's possible that they have an mRNA RSV vaccine. Doesn't that take two, three years to safety test? As we were told, the only reason we rushed for COVID is because you were about to die. Well, no. Now we're in the world where they all take three months because of the mRNA platform, which was always the plan. So here we are three months later with an RSV mRNA vaccine that's going to be given to babies right now because we've proven this works, right? The new vaccine to tackle RSV. It's the first of its kind and could receive FDA approval by August. It works by vaccinating a pregnant person who would then pass on protective antibodies to their child in utero. RSV usually causes mild cold-like symptoms, but it could be severe for infants and older adults. This new vaccine would be 82% effective at protecting newborns within their first three months of life, according to Pfizer. According to Pfizer, because we know how much we can trust that, right? Now, is that 80% relative risk reduction? Who cares? Because it doesn't mean anything. How often they've been shown to be lying about it is most important. But remember, relative risk reduction is not even close to the same thing. It boils down to like 0.08% or 0.8% reduction. The 95% number did, let alone 80%. The reality is we're constantly being misled. But yeah, we're back, now we're back to RSV. But they're already telling you we're stepping on top of that and we're trying to make a combination flu RSV COVID shot. Then we're trying to make a universal flu shot, which seems to have already been like the question is whether these are already being done or already being given. But at the very least, we do have some examples of people pushing back. Here's Idaho moving to criminalize the administration of any mRNA injection. So clearly there are some people that recognize the problem here. So thank God. But even worse than that, guys, and this is where it gets even more absurd. It's perfect, Toronto Star says. The world's first 
generative AI designed COVID drug to start clinical trials. Fantastic. Now we've got artificial intelligence, which alternatively discusses killing all of humanity because we're a problem, which has happened already, designing drugs for your safety. Fantastic. Well, who knows? If it's actually AI designed or not, or it's just them saying that, the bottom line is we're just sprinting in the direction of limitless mRNA, bio, everything in the direction of the technological advancements that we have yet to even barely show are safe and effective, let alone not killing people. It's called ISM3312. And what they're saying is it's as perfect as it gets. (laughs) Great. And it can only be orally or taken orally or inhaled. Cool. So maybe it's being sprayed over us right now. I know I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. Potentially has few side effects. Potentially has few side effects. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. 80% of the time. This is just, this is shocking and scary. This, this is the direction we're going. And then what happens when that kills people? Who's accountable? Oh, the AI did it. Okay. Can we sue the AI? No. We'll just correct it. We'll alter the code. Now you're good. Well, no, I'm not good. My mom died. How does that work? My, my father died from the, from the new drug you gave them. So what happens now? We'll, we'll tinker the AI. We'll make it better. That's not enough. Where's the law there? Do we hold the company accountable? We can't even do that now, let alone an AI-designed drug. Think about that. Now, the lack of accountability is as shockingly obvious as ever. Here's Dr. Eli David pointing out. Israel court, Israel, an Israel court ordered the Ministry of Health to release the agreement with Pfizer. You know, those Pfizer agreements that are completely, in, like, the subject of a lot of important conversation because of how many times we've already seen this it's been exposed countries being forced to put their military bases their own assets on basically up for possible seizure if they don't if basically a pfizer gets in trouble i mean this is as important as it gets this is the pharmaceutical company dictating high-level governmental agreements not the other way around. What that shows you is important that there's a that what we see as the people in control is probably not the reality. But here's what it says. These two pages contain the section titled liability and indemnity provision. Look what is look at the this is not a joke. 100% redacted. The whole thing. You know, because transparency. So what don't they want you to know? Clearly they are completely, these companies have worked a deal out that they don't care how many people get hurt. They're not going to be in trouble. Unless, remember, we can prove willful fraud, which is where we are right now. That's why I think they're scared. Now here, this person says, tell me you're complicit to the greatest crime ever per- uh, perpetrated on Canadians by trying to convince me you're not a criminal. This guy literally talks about how they had to manipulate the contracts because we're all in danger, right? But as I said, they're safe and effective, we were incessantly told, for the last two years. And as anyone honest was telling you the whole time, this was an assumption at best. And more likely, more obviously, a criminal conspiracy. The point is, with what he's about to tell you, there's no way they could have known what they keep telling you they knew or know now. These agreements require employees of the government of Canada that access these documents to sign confidentiality agreements. And why is that? Why is there much more redactions, as my colleague said, in these documents than in other documents? It's because these documents were signed at the beginning of a pandemic, when everybody was desperate for vaccines, when companies were being told to rush vaccine production, do testing in an unprecedented way, in a way they normally don't do it. So these companies were... That's why I joke about saying dangerous things for your safety. 
That's what he just said right there. Rush the safety testing because you're in danger. Like, I just don't get why people can't see how ridiculously, like, clownishly stupid that is. Exposed to way higher liability, putting their products on the market than they normally would because they didn't do the type of testing that exactly. normally takes these drugs years to come to market. And they're never doing it again going forward. Explain that. They did it all in less than a year. So that's why these companies said, if I'm going to deliver you this product that I haven't tested in my normal way, I, I want to have different conditions. Right. And so how else do you read that? Now, look, I guarantee you, and I've already proven this, and a lot of people have, that Pfizer is just as complicit in all this as anybody in the government. But realize what he's telling you right there. That whether out of mouth incompetence, criminality, or whatever else, the governments were the ones going, do it. Or at least that's what we're being told. And so they said, well, we're not going to, well, that's dangerous. And they go, we'll do it anyway. And we'll just give you indemnity. Now that, let's just take that as benign. They did it because they thought it was the right thing. What happens after that is the most important thing. So they know they didn't do it right. They know they rushed it because they just pretending they thought it was the most dangerous thing. They thought they needed something, but then proceed to force it and then proceed to find problems. They cover up, then proceed to realize that COVID wasn't even as dangerous as they thought and still push it all the way to this point, all based on what he just told you that they rushed it. They didn't do everything properly because we just had to get, we're so desperate for vaccines. Do you realize that Moderna, right? It's still the same thing. mRNA-1273. The same exact thing they made two days after getting genetic sequence from China all the way back in the beginning. He just told you exactly the point, whether it's benign or not. Personally, I'm almost, I'm convinced it's not. That this wasn't the way it's being explained. He may think that, but this was an agreement between them. There's always been this agreement about why they should, like the, the game is being played, we can clearly see. And I think they're in agreement. So one, the government can always kick this off and Pfizer can always kick back on the government. It's So we stand here stuck with our problems with no one to blame. And with companies, all countries around the world competing with each other to get these, the countries had less leverage than they normally do. For example, if we were entering into flu vaccine contracts or monkeypox contracts or other things that were normally available, this would be a different issue. Okay, so you, what you're telling us is the vaccine companies, when you're trying to tell us they're altruistic and doing it for you, we're holding you over a barrel. Okay, <laughs> got it. So they're not altruistic. Shocking. But these are already signed. They were signed at a time the government didn't have that leverage in negotiations. We just wanted to sign as many vaccine contracts with as many producers as possible because Canadians were desperate for vaccines. And No, no, the government was desperate for vaccines. Canadians were not. So they, what he just said there is we signed as many as possible frivolously because we needed what an untested syrup i mean i'm trying to be facetious about it like it's something that is clearly as far as they were concerned no idea because not only did pfizer not test it properly but they didn't even seem to care why because we're in so much danger we don't need to test this like i just don't think that even makes sense to them in the end it worked out we got vaccines and we were one of the countries that got to vaccinate everybody the fastest so it all worked out then, right? My God. Safe and effective. But how could they have possibly known that? Andrew Bridgeton from the UK, member of parliament, tells you. Remember, he's the one that spoke up about this and then basically got kicked out of. I forget if he lost his actual position in the parliament or or if he just lost the position as whip or was it whip? I forget. No, that was different. I'm thinking US, I think. I don't know. I'm forgetting the term. The point is that he was in a position for of a, of a committee or something important. And he got removed from that because of what he said.
even though it's true and proven. So let me let let, let people know. I forget whether or not he uh, let, got um, removed in general. I do. I think that's where this was going. Either way, the main point is he's telling you that he was bribed. They literally tried to tell him, "We'll give you anything you want," because that's what happens when it's about truth and transparency, right? Good. One, one, if you know, if if one wanted to be, you know, be rather harsh. I mean, I think you could say that. Um, you know, whatever's gone on in this country, it's gone on in most of the countries, well, certainly developed countries around the world to an mm. extent, uh, at least as much as here. Um, it's it's clear that uh, the Western societies have the best politicians that money can buy. <laughs> um, the irony. To be honest, to be honest they, they, they tried to buy me, but um, I said no. Um, I mean, would you be able to go into a bit more detail about that? Um. Yeah, um, the representative from Number Ten, uh, who's um, an advisor, came to me and said, you know, "What do you want? You can have anything you want. Anything you want." When was this? I, this was um, January, early January, um, twenty twenty-two. Back off, and right. you can have what, you can have what you want. So and I said, right now, obviously, you could be making that up. How, how could we possibly know? Right. But assuming, you know, taking it at face value for the sake of conversation, it, it lines up with what we know about everybody else has been pressured. All the other leaders, the African leaders, everything else that's happened. Clear, if that is true, and I believe it is, how do you not see that for what it is? Right. Why would they try to hide what he's saying if it was fake news conspiracy theory? Clearly, they know what's going on. Right. So the, the Prime Minister's resignation letter would be uh, what I want. Wow. <laughs> and I've got, I've got, of all that, it's all, I've got, I've got the screenshots of the text messages, the meetings. I mean, that is shocking. And then, and then their life started falling apart. Right, exactly. Now, hear him, hear what he said right there, right? He, at the very least, he's insinuating that they, they, made his life fall apart because he didn't do what he was told. Well, here's another example of that, right? Dr. S uh, Simon Godek, who you guys have seen, we've referenced before, PhD in biotechnology. His employer, at least as he's reporting, just fired him because of his communications on his own public trans on Twitter and elsewhere. This cancel culture is pissing him off. He says academia is dead. <laughs> Look, it's funny. This guy says academia is alive and doing well. You, It's you who isn't doing well. <laughs> this guy is just a picture's worth more than a thousand words. Right. The guy wearing the thing that's not doing anything for what he thinks it is. You know, the point is, it's just sad. The, people are being penalized for having opinions. That's how controlled the situation is. Even as those are proven right. Geopolitics and Empire points out in Brazil, despite everything, Brazilians can receive financial aid only if they've taken the vaccine, the injection. Bolsa Familia says we'll require vax certificates from participants and their children. It says we can't play. It's a question of science. If I had 10 COVID vaccines to take, I will take all that is necessary. That's what that's what it was. Be, here, here's the children's health defense talking about the same discussion. This is a proposed law under Brazilian citizens could be imprisoned for two to eight years for refusing mandatory vaccination or another take on the same conversation. I mean, my God. Completely insane. This is a nightmare. Listen very well. 
The penalty is imprisonment from two to eight years plus fine if you refuse vaccination without just cause. The same penalty is incurred by anyone who creates, disseminates, or propagates by any means fake news. Sound familiar? It's the same stuff we're dealing with here. It's the same game. Regarding vaccines in the National Immunization Program or their effectiveness, uh, which in any way dissuades vaccination. Right now, I'm sure that my life is in danger. I'm not, I'm, I have no doubt about it. Man, it's just incredible everywhere you look. Being forced despite everything. I mean, this is what it looks like, guys. Here's Bernie's tweets pointing out, as I saw in the chat, it's starting all over again. I'm not even talking about bird flu and the different high, because any one of these could be the next thing if that's what they wanted. Monkeypox or Marburg or whatever other saying is next. So I'm not taking the, I'm not jumping the gun with bird flu just yet, even though they are pointing at it. Tedros has been talking about it. They're talking about it jumping from species. So yes, it's concerning. Not in my case, not in my mind, like really in the sense that they're saying, concerning that this might be the next scam as far as I'm concerned. That's just my opinion. But when I say it's starting all over again, I'm talking about the mask mandate, which again, I keep saying this. I got so much, I'm, at some point, it's probably soon going to be doing this mask coverage. I've got all this stuff lined up. I just, I just, it's so obviously shown to be the case that it doesn't have the effect that it does. I'm just so tired of that conversation, but I will. I almost said it today, but obviously there's too much going on in the show today. This is about, the lockdown scenario, or rather the modeling about how severe it is, which will lead to the lockdown argument. And guess who's involved with that again? Neil Ferguson. This is almost, I think that it, this feels intentionally insulting. Like a laugh, laughing in your face. We know you know, and we're going to use them again. I mean, think about this, guys. This is not my opinion. Neil Ferguson. There, there's articles written about this before COVID has been involved in the largest inaccurate modeling arguments that have worked exactly in the favor of the government narrative. Almost every single large case he's involved in. COVID-19 is the most obvious as far as I'm concerned, but you can look back at plenty of them and I've gone over them past shows. We've proven and many other even semi-corporate outlets have proven that not only was he wildly wrong about COVID-19, but that he literally made up information that he used assumptions and pointed them, put them in as fact. This has been shown from the very beginning. Now, even if you don't want to hear that 3.6% death rate is not true. That is a wild overshoot. And now we're being shown that it's less than the flu verifiably with peer reviewed science. But here he is as Bernie's tweets points out, by the way, if you want to watch my interview with Bernie, Bernadette, I had a great discussion with her. It's on the website. The most destructive policies in our lifetimes are back in play with Neil Ferguson's panic modeling. Remember, the WHO are about to seize health sovereignty from 194 nations we'll talk about next. And they love a good lockdown, despite the fact that they literally argued during that that that's not what you should do. But now they're going to set it up first because, you know, contradiction is what they strive for, right? Health chiefs are modeling worst case bird flu scenarios in case killer virus jumps to humans. And yes, it is Neil Ferguson. Fear we go again, the Daily Mail writes. UK health officials, including Professor Lockdown, begin COVID-style worst-case scenario. Scientists are modeling how an outbreak of avian flu could sweep the UK. Among those working on the models is Professor Neil Ferguson, right? The guy who literally gets paid to get it just the right wrong for the government. 
an epidemic, that's my opinion, an epidemiologist <coughs> whose chilling predictions of COVID outbreak led the UK government to impose first lockdowns, and he was shockingly wrong. In fact, proven to have been seemingly willfully wrong, at least picking things that argued that it was as bad as it could be when that was never even close to what was being seen. Crazy. Now, this, oh wait, hold on there. Oh, that's right. So what I wanted to point out next is the worst case scenario. Now, I can't show this document enough. I've shown this probably a hundred times since COVID started. Just because of how damning this is to what literally is happening. This was put out by the WHO. And now it's, cen- now it's censored. You won't even be able to find it without the Wayback Machine. Think, why would that make sense? That's, that's not how it's supposed to work. Health is more than influenza. Now, you could read this today as health is more than COVID-19. It's the same argument. At the time, it was because they were conflating pneumonia and fl- pneumonia and influenza and just hyping this every time they could to get more injections and more shots. That's what the WHO, including two people that were writing this from them in 2011, argued. Now, the main point is not just that, but it is literally the second sentence in this argument. The repeated pandemic health scares caused by avian F5 H5N1 and H1N1, both of which they say were human influenza viruses are part of a culture of fear. Health scares caused by a culture of fear, meaning they weren't real. And they say that later down here. Those are both which they now point at retroactively and say they were both big pandemics. Lying about it still to this day. Here's the WHO telling you it's not true. But they just delete it, delete it. But it says the main point, worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. So clearly they can go, this is the wrong thing. We all know it's the wrong thing. There was plenty more articles at the time. HHS had a same argument back then. But guess what? We're right back to it. It's exactly what they're doing. Worst case scenarios. Well, that's exactly what the WHO in 2011 was going. That's not the right thing to do. Worst case thinking is motivated by the belief that the danger we face is so overwhelming, overwhelmingly catastrophic that we must act immediately. Rather than wait for information, we need a preemptive strike. Doesn't that sound familiar? What they're saying is this is the last thing we should be doing. This is what they called a culture of fear. Fake health scares. It says in both pandemics of fear, talking about both of these, which they pretend right now are actual pandemics, the exaggerated claims of a severe public health threat stemmed primarily from disease advocacy by influenza experts like a Dr. Fauci, in the highly competitive market of health governance, the struggle for attention, budgets, and grants is fierce. The pharmaceutical industry and the media only reacted to this welcome boon. Disease experts wish to capture public attention and sway resource allocation decisions in favor of the disease of their interest. Fake news, if I said it, right? WHO 2011. So we're right back to it. Worst case scenarios, because they want you scared, and that's the direction this goes in. But then, of course, when the experts stand up, the, the ones that care to be honest, and say, that's not true, that doesn't make sense, here's the fa- data, well, guess what they do? Censor them. Hide it. Toby Young points out that TikTok just removed a clip of Allison Pearson. Think about, this is hilarious, you know why? As well as the rest of the team, th- th- this is the scientific, this is the Telegraph's science editor discussing the link between COVID vaccines and heart disease. So the editor, the science editor of the Telegraph is discussing on TikTok the proven link between heart disease and COVID injections, and they censor it. Why? Because narrative. Even the corporate media now trying to venture into honesty, whatever the reason why, is being censored for it. How do we not see what's happening right now? 
Well, it's all continuing and it's all happening again. And all they're telling you is we're going to do it all harder. The Financial Times, the UK must prepare for the biosecurity threats to come. You know, because of the evil bad guys over there in the Middle East, right? Are they the ones doing that? <laughs> well, no. The only risk we're seeing are the, the, they are the ones building this stuff. This is just the same article, but if this is, you know, on a paywall. So I found it just over here. The UK must prepare for future biosecurity threats. Oh, man. It's not long. It was highlighted. Where was it? It says, Bio, biological hazards have changed dramatically in the short time and governments need to act, both at home and together. Well, the risks of the, the risk, the risks for the biosecurity state are from the U.S. government, from the U.K. government, from the Israeli government, and all of their lackeys doing the same things around the world. That's the threat. All they're pretending is that the threat, they don't want anybody else to have the control over this stuff. So that's what's happening now. Advances in biotechnology have potentially facilitated the creation or modification of deadly pathogens. Yeah, exactly. So what they're saying is, well, the advances we've led have created more danger. But now we're going to point to the danger we've created to justify more action by us. Doesn't that sound familiar? It should. It's the perfect, it's their model for foreign policy. We'll do something, we'll point to that something and say, we need to help. Lowering the barriers, and then not help at all, in fact, exploit even more. Lowering the barriers, preventing adver adversarial states and extremist organizations from developing biological weapons. Of course, they, their work in their hands is a weapon. Because it is a weapon, no matter where you put it. They just pretend it's not when they're holding it. Referring to the 2018 Novichok attack. Oh, you mean that fake story that's been 100% proven to not be what they said it was? Yes, but just like all the rest of the stories, or like the same analogy with WHO, H1N1 is a pandemic, looking back now, because they're the ones controlling the narrative. See how that works? Even though we know it wasn't. You can prove that. Same thing here. They're just like all of the Syrian gas attacks that Assad was... No, we've proven that Assad was not responsible. Even the member of the UN, Dele, uh, Carla Del Ponte, on the record said it was the moderate rebels, the whatever they called them at the time. And yet now when you listen to people like, hey, Nikki Haley, who's running for president, she'll tell you with a straight face, every one of them has been proven to be Assad, even though we know that's not true because narrative. Well, Novichok is a lie. A hundred percent. Caitlin Johnstone did some excellent work on this, but here we are pointing back to it. And guess what they say? Well, the UK's integrated review warned of a realistic possibility of terrorists launching a successful chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear attack by 2030. What a weird coincidence. Why would they arbitrarily just pick 2030? Why would they say by that time this may happen? You can decide that for yourself. But don't miss how obviously that number keeps popping back up. They could have said by 2025. They could have said by 2031. But they chose 2030. That we may have a risk of terrorist attacks using biological attacks by this date we keep pointing at. Come on. I mean, my God. The point is, guys, they're building this narrative. They're telling you that's getting worse and more dangerous because of what they're doing. Natural epidemics could have become future pandemics even more if we didn't do what we're doing now. No, you caused this one way or another. Biosecurity must keep the people reasonable, responsible for protecting our security awake at night. Yeah, because of what they're doing, the evolution of these viruses and everything else. Bottom line is, they're going to do more. More money, more work. When they say we must prepare, they're, they're saying we need to do more of exactly what we're concerned about. But when they do it, for safety. Classic. Dangerous things for your safety. You got to love it. Well, as all this is happening, Biden administration negotiates deal to give WHO authority over U.S. pandemic policies, which, by the way, is exactly what we've been telling you the whole time about the pandemic treaty, the amendments and every other part about this. 
February 18th, Epoch Times, updated February 21st, 2023. The Biden administration is preparing to sign the United States signed up the United States to a legally binding accord with the WHO that would give the Geneva-based United Nations Health Agency the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. Their discuss- discussions and others spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty published February 1st, which now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO members. The meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body is scheduled for February 27th in three days to work out the final terms, which members will then sign. Written under the banner of the World Together Equitably, the Zero Draft grants the WHO the power to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations, such as lockdowns, because we know how well that worked, and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring of surveillance of populations. Perfect. So we blindly step right into this technocratic panopticon because of the next scare tactic. We've been telling you this is coming, guys. Here's the actual draft on February 1st. You can read it for yourself. This is as alarming as it sounds. This is another post from February 14th. I just wanted to read this paragraph from WHO. From the director of the Department of Immunization, Vaccinations and Biological, Bi- Biological, yeah, Biologicals. It sounds funny. Together with our member states and key partners, WHO has been uncompromising in our commitment to get vaccination on global agendas. So that may sound good to you if you think that's what people should be doing. But what that translates to is an inter an international body has been uncompromising. That's not a good thing in their in their commitment to get vaccination on every agenda around the world. Regardless of what you want to enhance political dialogue and engagement and to leverage the resources needed to implement that. So making it uncompromisingly making that happen. The COVID pandemic put the spotlight on the value of vaccines. Did it now. And demonstrated what we could achieve with concerted aligned effort. Yeah. The forced vaccination of half most of the world this year. We are not only continuing to the work to protect the high priority populations with COVID vaccines, you know, the very people that are at most risk by them that haven't been tested with them, but they're the first ones you give it to because that makes sense. But then pretend like we all need herd immunity to protect them, which makes no sense, but are also intensifying our efforts to on routine immunizations. So again, it's broadening out to everything, aiming to claw back what was lost on programmatic performance and push to reduce the number of zero-dose children. There, so the point is, plenty of people begun to see how, what, the real risks here, I argue. And now they're so afraid of more people just going zero-dose to the point to where they're uncompromising in the way they need to claw back your children's vaccinations. Sounds lovely. Well, on a couple of broad points before we finish, or actually just two last points, actually, we need to realize, guys, that well, I guess one broad point before the last 5G conversation is realize that this is ubiquitous. Now, in no way am I saying that what we're being given with these injections is not dangerous. Obviously, I think that. Obviously, it's been proven. But we need to realize that there's so much more also happening that adds to what we're dealing with right now. And it's on the surface, whether it's the water problem. Of course, all these are going to be used to justify why they want to reimagine them all even though they're the reason it's problematic and they haven't cared for the last 20 years, but that our water infrastructure is completely broken, that it's lead and problems and everything. The, the stuff in our water is dangerous in most places in the country. Derek wrote about that years ago. But then we also have things like this. It's on the surface. CBS News, 20th of February. 
U.S. food additives banned in Europe. Everywhere in Europe. Experts says what Americans eat is, quote, almost certainly making them sick. Right. But it still happens, though. So it's why? Because your FDA cares about you? That that's the only place in the world, in some cases, where they have things that nobody else allows? It says, from baguettes to focaccia, Europe is famous for its bread. But there's one ingredient conspicuously missing. And then you wonder why bread and carbs and stuff is such a problem that we're getting people so sick in this country. Why? Well, because our bread, our, our, our bread, for the most part, has potassium bromate. It's a suspected carcinogen that's banned for human consumption in Europe, China, and India. Right, China. China, which we all criticize. People go, oh, look at all the gross things they do. Well, guess what? China doesn't let their people eat this, but you are allowed to. Why? Because corporations make money from it. Because it allows them to make doughs that last longer and are more sturdy. Right. That's all that matters. Because we live in a fascist society where corporations are the ones actually calling the shots. In the U.S., the chemical compound is used by some food makers, usually in the form of fine crystals or powders. This, I mean, you'll find this stuff everywhere. You'll find little small beaded plastics that are in a lot of foods that are cheap because it gives it more of this or that. It's dangerous for you guys. This is used by a lot. Why? It's, it's estimated to, pres- uh, to strengthen the dough. It is estimated to be present in more than 100 products in the United States. Quote, there is evidence that it may be toxic to human consumers, that it, even may, it, it, that it may even either initiate or promote the development of tumors. This is Professor Eric Milestone, an expert on food additives at England University of Sussex. Asked if it can be said with certainty that differences in regulations mean people in the U.S. have developed cancers that they would not have developed if they had been eating extensively in Europe. Milestone said that was, quote, almost certainly the conclusion he would reach. That's fantastic. He said it's not just potassium bromate. A range of other chemicals and substances banned in Europe over health concerns are also permitted in the United States, including titanium dioxide, also known as E171, brominated vegetable oil, potassium bromate, azodicarbonamide, carbonamide, azodicarbonamide, and pro Propylparabine. I almost had that one. Propylparabine. Propylparabine. This word is so. It's almost fun to try to work it out. All of these, though, are not allowed in other countries, but are being are allowed in your country. Now, why? How do you make sense of that? Are we going to pretend that somehow the FDA, or rather, I guess it would be a combination of the FDA and other entities? But the point is that they would say that they know better than every other place in the world that's proven they're dangerous. Milestone, who spent almost half a century researching food and agricultural science, said most Americans were likely completely unaware that they were being exposed on a daily basis to substances in their food viewed as dangerous in Europe. Quote, they probably just think, well, if it's available or it's in the store, probably fine. You nailed that one. In a statement to CBS News, the FDA said all food additives require pre-market evaluation and regulations require evidence that each substance is safe and its intended level of use before it may be added to foods. Well, that's a nice comment, FDA. So basically proves that you knew, or rather, that, so basically that somehow you did or you lied about it, a pre-market evaluation, and found or didn't care about the danger because every other government seems completely clear on this. So basically they're saying, yeah, we did this. We just didn't find it. So either you're incompetent or you're criminal. You choose. 
Think about that, guys. This is the this is the country we're in. They don't care. That's why we have the glyphosate, glyphosate, the GMOs, and some of these things that are not even allowed in the countries around the world. Well, on top of all of that, let's finish with a point that I think is very, very important. From the defender from yesterday. 5G towers can make healthy people sick. Two case reports show. Well, don't forget the overlap with COVID-19 and the many different... Oh, that's what it was. I knew I had one more that I forgot to grab. One second. This is the important one. Oh, maybe I can just grab it right here. Yes, there we go. I had a really great interview with Denny Rancourt and Stephanie Seneff, PhD. Specifically around glyphosate. Oh, wait, this up, was that the one? Maybe not. Oh, well. Well, in any case, the point was, I forgot I'm blanking on which one it was. There was a 5G overlap interview about the, oh, you know what? I, I do think I have it right here. See, I keep doing this. <laughs> I'm ahead of myself. Trump quietly, no, not that one. Anyway, I'll come back to all of these. This is the one. Study finds COVID 5G correlation. That's a really important, this is an important one from December 2021. The study, peer-reviewed, I think it was retracted though, like it was pulled back by the editor team, like a lot of this stuff, finds the exact correlation. Doesn't prove that it's the same thing, but they find that the the COVID-19, whatever the saying that is, just so happens to have the exact same symptoms of what you would argue 5G would cause. That's all they were saying, and yet that gets attacked? Like that's not, you're not proving it, you're just saying, look, they're similar. Fake news. <laughs> well, no, not really. It's easy to prove, but they just don't like what the findings suggest, right? That's how broken all this is. But let's go back to the study or the two new case reports showing what they're calling microwave syndrome. It says that a new case report shows that two previously healthy men rapidly developed typical microwave syndrome, which you could look up. It's a conversation symptoms shortly after a 5G cell tower was installed in the roof of their office. According to the report, Published February 4th in the Annals of Clinical Case Reports, the men experienced headaches, joint pain, tinnitus, abnormal fatigue, sleep disturbances, burning skin, anxiety, and trouble concentrating. Now, that's an important one. Remember, we've talked about this. The idea is that this is, if turned up high enough, that's what this was originally designed as a crowd control military device. This is what they, this is how it can be used. <laughs> that's concerning to me. If they just decide to turn them all up, what happens? The findings match the results of a similar case report published last month in the same journal that appeared earlier in the Swedish journal um, Medics Access, if I believe, showing a previously healthy man, woman, developed similar microwave syndrome symptoms soon after 5G towers installed on top of their apartment. So businesses, apartments, both reports show that non-ionizing radiation from 5G, well below levels allowed by authorities, excuse me, can cause health problems in individuals who had no prior history of electromagnetic sensitivity. Mona Nilsson, managing director of the Swedish Radiation Protection Foundation and co-author of the case reports, said it was a great scandal that, quote, 5G has been rolled out for several years now in Sweden and the United States under Trump without any study at all being performed without health effects. That's true. Two, these two studies show that 5G is very dangerous to health and that the scientists and doctors who have been warning for years of serious consequences for human health due to a predicted massive increase in microwave radiation have been right in their assessments. But guess what? Nothing. No follow-up, no reports, no coverage, nothing. You won't see this covered by corporate media. You know why? Because they know. Or rather they're aware they're not supposed to talk about it. Now, I covered this on March 25th, 2020. 
this or this right here. Trump quietly signs 5G law, which he did under the cover of coronavirus. Now, that was my first viral, real viral video went over a million views until it was very quickly censored within one day, censored by YouTube and shut down across the board. <clears throat> now, the reason is because I think there was something important happening here. Trump signs the law, which rolled this out. Now, all your supporters out there, that should be a concerning thing for you. Not some secret 40 chess move. It's already happening. Now, Biden continuing. The point is that they did do this, that it's rolled out since. Now, we found a study that co- shows the correlation, which is impossible to miss, between 5G and whatever we're telling you COVID is causing. I did an overview of 5G sickness and everything else, covering this whole big co- point. And then here's just an overview search for 5G, where Derek's done some great work. New Hampshire releases bombshell report questioning safety of 5G. I mean, it's obvious. This has been here from the very beginning. Now, my point in all of this is not to say prove that some necessarily connection in COVID or the vaccines, but really just re- show you that in conjunction with this discussion, right, that we're just sick in general from or being given that we're being bombarded with multiple things from multiple angles that are seemingly designed to at least not care if they're safe, but get you sick to increase your illness, to, con- to con- you know, do something at the, at, the, at the easiest example that they just don't care about what they're doing for their own benefit if it hurts you. But I believe there's more to it. I believe there's something connecting all of this. But at the end of the day, how do we not realize how incompetent or worse criminal these people truly are? All of this is there. The pregnancy, the the, the neonatal birth, the, the 5G risk, the food itself. I mean, every single one of these things has been overwhelmingly proven, but yet here we are. Still fighting for these things online against yelling people on social media platforms. But thank you for staying tuned. If you did for four hours today, fantastic. I'm going to end today with a clip that I think is important. Or actually, no, let me play this really quickly and then I'll end with this clip. Here's a 5G clip that I think is really important. As I've shown many times, backing up what she just said in the the Children's Health Defense article, that they have not tested this and did they rolled it out anyway. Now think about that in the context of the injections. They don't care. They're willing to admit they didn't even test it before they did it because, well, we wanted to do it. We just proved that with the injection, right? Same thing. They don't care about you. How much money has the industry committed to supporting additional independent research? And we're talking about research on the biological effects of this new technology. There are no industry-backed studies, to my knowledge, right now. So, essentially, the answer to my question, how much money... Zero. Uh, I can certainly follow up with you, Senator. To my knowledge, there's no active studies being backed by industry today. Anybody else know of industry commitments to to back research, fund it, support it, to ascertain scientifically the health effect? I'm not aware of any. So there really is no research ongoing. We're kind of blind blind here so far as health and safety is concerned. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Answer says everything. Yes. The lack of answer is yes. We are not testing and we're doing it anyway. And we don't want to say that on the record. Very clear. So we're flying blind here. Yes. And they don't care. So I'm going to leave you today with a clip of Bhakti telling you in regard to the injections that if you take these, you go to your doom. I got to go deal with my, my beautiful pup here that's been waiting so patiently for four hours. She's the best co-host in general. But thank you for being here today, guys.
I just can't get over how obvious this is. And we wouldn't be able to do this without you. Now, I make mistakes like anybody, and I do my best to correct them as often as I can. But there is a time today where there, there's so much manipulation going on in the world. Every possible way you look, there's people trying to misrepresent something, hide this, or people that actually think they're doing what's right when they don't realize they're being manipulated. At the end of the day, all we can do is what we think is right. And I do my best. It's off. I mean, I, I, I go out of my way to be as objective, as I say, irritatingly so, and honest. Now, you don't know that for sure, and I tell you to question it because you should, because you don't know that for sure, but I know that. I know that I do what I think is right. I know that I go out of my way to stand up for what I think is right, to the integrity, like even when it's the most difficult thing in the world, even when there's no benefit to me. Now, you don't have to trust that, but I know that. So it really, it does bother me quite a bit when people then try to take subjective things and make an argument that I'm somehow compromised because I did this or I didn't do that. Because my point is that they, they're wrong. I know that. But I also know that they're jumping to conclusions, whether they do it because they like drama or they want to see people fight or they just don't care. My point is that all we can do is do what we think is right in any given moment. And I stand up for you as, as often and as continually as I can. So if you believe in what we're doing and you believe in the objectivity that we continue to fight for, then support this platform. And if you don't, then, then you don't have to. And no one's obligated to support this. No one's obligated to be here, which is, by the way, exactly the reason this is a donation platform, because nothing is obligated. If, if, if people didn't believe in what we're doing, this wouldn't exist. So the fact that we grow is on its face an example that we have growing support, despite what some people would argue, despite what people would try to make out. You know, the point is that we exist because of you. There's no advertising. There's no secret funding. It's all on the surface. And it's all because of you. And I believe in you. So thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Well, so you believe that the COVID vaccine is not necessary? I think it's downright dangerous. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom.